All right, welcome to the show. I am the Hard Bastard, and uh, we're going to start off here with uh, Trump going to this uh, football game and the DeSantis people uh, having uh, a freakout because uh, the crowd cheered him, and immediately they broke out um, with with Democrats. People like this guy, Brian Tyler Cohen, who, uh, what's funny about this propagandist is that he, uh, he has a show called No Lie with Brian uh, Tyler Cohen, but it's nonstop lies. It's lying. It's just nonstop fucking lies with Brian Tyler Cohen. Anyway, so um, they, uh, they didn't like the fact that uh, Trump got cheered. So they came up with this uh, simultaneous gay op where they took a video that shows most of the crowd cheering Trump, but a couple people booing and then pretending, oh, the, the crowd booed Trump. And then they went so far as to seemingly Photoshop a picture of a guy. So there was a guy giving uh, what looked like either Trump or the people above Trump the middle finger. Um, I have no idea, but let's say it's they're giving Trump the middle finger. If you put Trump in front of a stadium of people, yes, some people are going to give him the middle finger. Some people don't like Trump. Some people do. Um, but anyway, so they photoshopped this picture to have the guy's middle finger like this straight on view, like, like right as Trump is waved. The whole thing was just hilarious. It's hilarious cope. And it's interesting to see the DeSantis shells teaming up with the likes of Brian Tyler Cohen, who is an absolute David Pakman level propagandist. And we'll get into the video that, that he made. Um, anyway, we'll begin here. Let me just uh, double check. All right, good to go. Uh, Trump met by large crowd and chance of USA in a visit to the Iowa-Iowa State game. Former President Trump, actually, we might as well just uh, put the speakers on and have a look at uh, what's going on here. So let me just put the speakers on. Okay. Former President Trump attended the annual Iowa-Iowa State rivalry football game where security wedged Trump through large crowds of fans chanting USA. Let's do <laughs> So I'll play it again, and as you hear all these videos, uh, it, tell me if I'm wrong that what you're hearing is a crowd, and uh, a lot of people in the crowd are cheering for Trump or USA, and then there's a few people that are booing, which is generally typical. I think it's the height of dishonesty to pretend, oh, the crowd booed Trump. No, some people in the crowd booed Trump. Most people cheered him. All right, let's have a look again. That right there, what is that? That's cheering. Okay. Now I heard, I heard a couple people right there boo. Okay. Now the USA chants come out. Also, I would even go as far as to say this is pretty much irrelevant because DeSantis is getting destroyed in the polls in Iowa. So, like, what the fuck difference does it make? But all right, let's let's go to the next one here. All 
I, I noticed that Brian Faggot Cohen and uh, uh, Bill Mitchell, they didn't play this video. Let's just rewind here. They didn't play this one. They are not playing this video. Here we go. So, again, to, to say that the crowd booed him is a hilarious cope. That is a hilarious cope, okay? Once again, I won't play the whole thing, but the beginning is like a wrestler's entrance. It's like, this is, remember the ultimate warrior? Remember, uh, I think they call it a pop, right, in, in the wrestling industry. It's when a wrestler is so popular that his presence, like everyone goes crazy. It This sounds like, now the music isn't playing because the ultimate warrior had this music but this is like the level the beginning of this is like the level of like if the ultimate warrior was coming out what are you kidding you gotta be kidding me oh they were booing him shut the fuck up you're just why can't you just shill your guy honestly you just look stupid anyway I'm not saying that it's equivalent to the ultimate war but it's it reminded me of when the ultimate warrior would come out because he was very popular. People liked him. Anyway. Um, yeah, minus the music. And, of course, the running. <laughs> that would be hilarious. Trump, the current frontrunner in the GOP presidential primary, attended the game along with a number of fellow primary contenders, Ron DeSantis, Doug Burgum, uh, Asa Hutchinson, and Vivek. While the other candidates attended toward more intimate settings to interact with their fans, such as hanging out at pregame tailgates and sitting among fans during the game, Trump watched the game in a suite with a major GOP donor and casino uh, kingpin Gary Kirk. The former president entertained other important figures in Iowa who filtered through the suite through the game, according to the AP. Iowans who attended the rivalry game and sat near Trump's box, alternately cheered and booed the former president during the game. Yeah, there were some boos, absolutely. But it is overwhelmingly dishonest to pretend, oh, that Iowa crowd booed Trump, it's over for Trump, DeSantis is going to win. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Or this one retard that was like, well, I can tell you, uh, I live in a red state and there's no Democrats that go to football games. What the fuck are you talking about? There's Democrats everywhere. Of course Democrats go to the football game. Also, they might not have been Democrats. They might have liked DeSantis. They might have liked Nikki Haley. And maybe that's why they were booing Trump. Some people don't like Trump, that's true. But to pretend that, oh, that crowd overwhelmingly was booing Trump, it is a ridiculous scope. And again, we will get to the Brian Faggot Cohen video. I think I'm uh, getting his name right. I might be wrong about that one. Anyway, 
Um, some influential Iowans, such as Kim Reynolds and uh, Bob Vanderplatz, had expressed doubt about Trump's chances of winning the Iowa GOP primary. The former president has lagged behind other candidates in participating in face-to-face -face retail politicking. Uh, uh, the Iowa primary is traditionally known for. Uh, Trump, however, currently leads the primary field by 28 points. <laughs> it's it's just, man, I'm telling you, these guys, Bill Mitchell, hilarious, hilarious people. Um, so he rolled into this place, this fraternity house. Let's have a look at this. Oh, they're, they're, they're booing him. Oh, they're, they're very unhappy to see him. Yeah, these indictments, those indictments are working. They really are working. Oh, man, everyone hates Trump. That's uh, all right, Bill Mitchell. Then we got uh, Trump uh, flipping burgers. That shit's funny. Um, let's see. Uh, Iowa State college students go wild as Trump throws autographed footballs to the crowd at fraternity tailgate. And by the way, if you're going to talk shit about DeSantis, where's DeSantis throwing footballs to a cheering crowd? I don't see any of that. Show me those videos. Do you have those videos, Bill? Where are they? <clears throat> I don't know, but I don't think they exist. President Trump signing uh, one of the footballs here. Watch this throw. Watch the throw. Watch this guy's throw. Hold on a second. He's going to th throw. No, not that one. There was another one. He launches one of these. I think it's the next one. Not that one. President Trump, a uh, right-hander on that. Not that one. There was a clip. You probably saw the clip. That one's not bad. Someone clipped it and put it on Twitter. Trump having some fun with these footballs as we are live. That's a pretty good spiral. Right? You think yeah, they're all booing. You know they're all booing. You think he's got me one? He's not. A, he's a pass. Right guy. here. I mean, you got a shovel pass. Shovel pass right here. That's a nice one. Wow. There you go. That's a nice throw. That's a nice throw. It's just, uh, it's hilarious, man. It's absolutely hilarious. Any other ones? I think that was it. 
So there you go. That was uh, one of the big stories of the day, pretending that uh, the crowd hated Trump and Iowa is turning against him. It's so funny to watch. And again, it's funny to watch the DeSantis shills in unison with the corporate media. Amazing. All right. Um, Biden is having a rough day. He's having a fucking rough day. Um, This one got so bad that they just had to end the goddamn... um, they just ended the meeting. Is this the whole video? I just want the clip. Let's see. We can see. We can just run it at the end. Hold on a second. Let's see. Where where does this end? No, I ain't calling on you. I'm calling on you. I said that I have five questions. Okay. Actually, we'll just watch the last few minutes of this. This guy, he's gone. He's gone. Here we go. All of a sudden, we all realize it. it's a problem. And there's nothing like seeing the light for, and uh, let's see, I'm just following my orders here. Uh, staff, is there anybody having spoken to? No, I ain't calling on you. I'm calling on you. I said that I have five questions. Anita VOA. So the dumb press hoe right here told her told him who to call on. Thank you, Mr. President. I hope you didn't think that calling only on women would get you softballs tonight. Oh, I know better than that. Okay, well let me start with President Xi. If you send me a softball, I wouldn't know what to do with it. I'd probably strike out even worse. Well let me ask you about um, you've you've spent lots of time talking about all the time you spent with President Xi and the importance of leader-to-leader communication, yet you two haven't spoken in 10 months. And I just wonder, are you worried that this is destabilizing the U.S.-China relationship? And what are you going to do about it? And then, if I may, on Ukraine, sir. Um, Kiev is is upset that the G20 communique didn't name Russia as the aggressor. Um, Have you managed to rally more support or sympathy across the G20? Or is this emerging as a wedge issue uh, with the Global South? And does that change your commitment to Ukraine? It's not a wedge issue with the Global South. It's a wedge issue. What the fuck did you just say? With Russia, which is present, and with China, which is present, which has representation. And uh, so, and by the way, uh, I am, uh, um, my, my team, my staff still meets with, President Xi's people and his cabinet, in effect. I met with his number two person here in, in uh, excuse me, in uh, um, India uh, today. Um, so it's not like there's a, a, a crisis if I don't personally speak to him. It'd be better if I did. But uh, I think, look, this is not a criticism. It's an observation. He has his hands full right now. He has overwhelming unemployment with his youth. One of the major economic tenets of his plan isn't working at all right now. I'm not happy for that, but it's not working. So he's trying to figure out, I suspect, I don't know, just like I would, trying to figure out what to do about the particular crisis they're having now. But I don't think it's a crisis relating to conflict between China and the United States. As a matter of fact, I think it's less likely to cause that kind of conflict. Uh, I don't, uh, anyway, I, I just think that there are other things on leaders' minds, 
and they respond to what's needed at the time. And look, nobody likes having celebrated international meetings if you don't know what you want at the meeting, if you don't have a game plan. He may have a game plan. He just hasn't shared it with me. But I tell you what, I don't know about you, but I'm going to go to bed. So he's supposed to answer four more questions. Am I correct about that? And he responds at the end of that, while he's clearly out of breath, I'm going to go to bed. So they're cutting off the mic yeah, of the we media. Talk, we talked about we talked about at the conference overall. We talked about stability. We talked about making sure that the third world, the uh, excuse me, third world, the, uh, the, the, uh, the southern hemisphere had access to change. It had access. We, it wasn't confrontational at all. You came with me. Thank, thank you, everybody. This ends thank, the press thanks. conference. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. So the dumb press ho shuts it down. Fascinating. Okay, there you go. And maybe I'm wrong about... Uh... Oh, no, yeah, it was the first question. That was the first question. He had four more questions. He said, I'm going to go to bed, and then they shut it down. He is on the verge of death. He is on the verge of natural death. <clears throat> and pff, couldn't happen to a nicer guy. Daniel Buff in uh, Rumble says, My new book, War Brats, is available on Amazon now. HB is the man. Support AIDS Free Art. Yes, AIDS Free Art, absolutely. Check out Daniel Buff's book, um, War Brats, on Amazon. Uh, appreciate that, Daniel. Thank you for the support. Uh, next story is pretty good. This is, uh, I'm glad to see this. Glenn Youngkin grants an absolute pardon to the Loudon dad arrested at the school board meeting. You might remember this guy. Um, pedophiles uh, have so infiltrated Loudoun County that this guy, it, not only just uh, the school board, but in the police department, this guy was arrested because he verbally opposed the fact that his daughter was raped in a bathroom by a tranny. Um, so that, and he was arrested for that. And so the sick, twisted, uh, evil prosecutor that is a Soros uh, prosecutor who belongs in prison um, tried to get this guy uh, criminally prosecuted and Youngkin stepped in. Good. Hopefully uh, Abbott will, will see this and do what he fucking said he would do about Perry. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin on Sunday granted, granted an absolute pardon to the father who was arrested at a school board meeting after the superintendent lied about his daughter's rape by a tranny. The pardon says that in June 2021, Scott Smith exercised his constitutional right to attend a public meeting of the Loudoun County School Board to observe the proceedings, during which time a community member threatened to spread false and malicious information about Mr. Smith's business with the intent to damage his reputation. Well, that's what commies do when you don't uh, go along with the pedophile propaganda. They don't like that at all. Um, after the ensuing verbal confrontation, Scott Smith was charged with obstruction of justice and disorderly conduct. And Smith was quickly convicted, uh, even though the appeals court later disqualified the prosecutor due to concerns about uh, integrity 
uh, of the prosecution, whereas Scott Smith has been publicly and falsely accused of domestic terrorism and hate crimes for attempting to advocate for his daughter, a victim of sexual assault from a trainee, I've decided it is just and appropriate to grant this absolute pardon that reflects Scott Thomas Smith's factual innocence. Um, Smith's story galvanized parents who were concerned that schools had uh, sacrificed student safety and academic rigor for ideology. Youngkin's pledge to be a voice of those parents helped usher him in the office a month after the Daily Wire revealed Smith's story. Democrat prosecutor H. Kami Buddha Baraja street shooter bucked her typical soft on crime stances and personally argued to put Smith in jail for misdemeanor disorderly conduct. Smith was denied a jury because it was a misdemeanor in general district court, and a judge quickly convicted him. That judge belongs in prison as well, obviously. He appealed the ruling and would have been entitled to a jury in appeals court, but the legal saga has dragged on for years, taking a financial and emotional toll on Smith, who says he's grateful Youngkin allowed him to move on. I'm thankful that the Youngkin administration gave me an off-ramp to these charges. That should never have happened. It's kind of bittersweet because I really look forward to winning uh, this in court. But unfortunately, our justice system is so screwed up right now that I didn't feel I could potentially get a fair shot in court. Yeah, you probably wouldn't. That's what should scare every American is I had to take this because I could not trust our justice system. As Smith's legal saga dragged on, the same system that prosecuted Smith acquitted Loudoun County Public School spokesman Wade Byard for perjury. The day Smith's daughter was raped by a tranny, Byard wrote an email to parents that falsely blamed Smith for police presence and falsely said that no students were in danger, even as the rapist tranny remained on the loose. The rapist was eventually convicted in juvenile court, but due to a mistake by the AIDS commie uh, bitch, uh, will not be placed on the sex offenders registry. Smith said that on the night of June 2021 at the school board meeting where school board members were discussing passing a poly to allow trannies to use the restroom of their choice, his daughter had intended to say through a megaphone just how a few weeks before she had been raped in the school by a tranny. That's why Jackie attacked us, uh, was to stop my daughter from speaking. Referring to another AIDS commie that belongs in prison, Jackie Schwerm, a radical leftist who had just smoked in the Smith's daughter that smells like cat piss, then sought out Smith and threatened to use social media to ruin his business. Police officer grabbed Smith from behind in a struggle ensued. That police officer belongs in prison. An appeals court said that the prosecutor may have been biased, but that the fact that he cursed at Schwarm was enough to retry him. <clears throat> Amazing. So you can't curse at a, a lunatic pedophile, or at least a pedophile enabler, a, a person that's pedophile adjacent, to be more accurate. Smith said that even if his appeal would have prevailed, radical prosecutors had already punished him by putting him through a years-long process, which makes me ask, and I'm glad, look, it's good Youngkin did this, but you got to be diligent with commies. I hope you investigate and remove all of these fucking people. DeSantis is showing you the way of how to remove these fucking people. I think Barada Josh Street Shitter is gone, though. I think she resigned. But all of the people involved in this need to be uh, investigated and prosecuted, at minimum, just removed from their position, at minimum. Uh, it's crazy. Smith said the damage has already been done. The process has been absolutely brutal because it took away some of my family treasure that could have gone to my daughter's situation. I hope somehow, whether it's through give, send, go, or it's something that they're made whole. Actually, the best way would be sue the fucking shit out of these people and bankrupt them, if, you know, hopefully that can happen. 
The media plastered around the world a picture of Smith being dragged away by police and used him as a symbol of how angry conservative parents were supposedly disrupting school board meetings out of bigotry and ignorance. The National School Board Association likened him to a domestic terrorist in a letter that the pro-pedophile Biden administration used to mobilize anti-terrorism forces against parents. On the Daily Wire, only the Daily Wire bothered to ask Smith whether he had a good reason to be mad at the school board. It turned out that not only had his daughter been raped by a tranny and the superintendent covered up the tranny rape, but that the school system kept the tranny rapist in school where the tranny rapist raped again a second girl. They villainized me and my family from the minute my daughter reported that she was sexually assaulted uh, pretty much until present time. AIDS commie street shitter Barabara wanted to make an example out of me to scare people from speaking out, and quite frankly, it worked. Smith said, noting that far few parents have turned out to school board meetings and spoken out since his arrest. Not good, not good. He said his next legal step will be to sue the prosecutor for misconduct and possibly the National School Board Association. Don't possibly do it. Fucking do it. The pardon from Yunkin, who enjoys high favorability ratings in what was previously considered a blue state, continues a fulfillment of his campaign promise to focus on parental rights and education. On Tuesday, he'll hold a Parents Matter conversation in Loudoun at Cornerstone Chapel, a church that was placed on an enemies list by a group of AIDS commies called the Loudoun Love Warriors. The church's pastor said it's ironic that those who espouse tolerance the most are some of the most intolerant people towards those of us with different views and values. It's all rhetoric. It's, it's a power play. It's a power play. They name themselves virtuous things and do the complete opposite. Um, a member of the Love Warriors was arrested on felony charges this month. H. Kami Street shitter Barabaraj uh, has not responded to questions about whether she intends to draw charges. Prosecutor recuse herself. Oh, so she's still there? How is she still there? I thought we covered an article where she resigned. I thought she resigned. Maybe it was another AIDS commie? Prosecu There's not a lot of AIDS commie prosecutors that, that get removed, though. Most of them are in Florida, I think. Anyway, yeah. I mean, you, you cannot... How do you have a criminal like this as a prosecutor? It, it's just crazy. It's completely crazy. Pro-pedophile criminal. Sick, very sick, unbelievable. So speaking of pro-pedophile criminals, you got this crazy bitch in uh, New Mexico. Um, and so there's going to be a lawsuit. Hopefully they're successful. The National Association for Gun Rights sues over New Mexico governor's concealed carry ban. They seem way better than the NRA. The NRA seems like a bunch of cucks. Maybe, it, you know, it, 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 at one point they were good, but it seems like National Association for Gun Rights is a lot better. Anyway, the National Association for Gun Rights filed suit over New Mexico AIDS commie Governor Michelle Lugin Grisham's order banning concealed or open carry of handguns in public. Breitbart reported the AIDS commie governor issued the ban on Friday and it took effect Saturday. Oh, by the way, I don't think I have an article about this. Lots of protests today, people open carrying in defiance. Fantastic. Uh, Ford Fisher had a lot of footage on there. I don't know a lot about Ford Fisher. Is he an AIDS commie? I don't know. But I uh, was on the ground there because uh, there's a lot of AIDS commies in the thread. And uh, But whatever. Uh, he was on the ground there. Um, I didn't like some... Actually, he probably is an AIDS commie because the way he, he called it an... Uh, he used the... Uh, what's that propaganda phrase? Um, oh, armed protest. The armed protesters. Uh, the, 
the media does that where like when they were talking about the the protests in dc on january 6th they called it armed they called them armed rioter armed insurrections of course that was a lie now in this instance it was true they were armed but like that's like that that's weird that you bring that up because um now open carrying normally actually no 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 i'll, I'll say it like this open carrying where they were is legal because this is fucking unconstitutional bullshit and it's not a law and she can eat shit so they were not breaking the law and anyone that arrested them should be buried under a jail and what's interesting is the cops didn't arrest them so i think the cops know and you got that one sheriff that seems to be doing the right thing so good not all cops are pedophiles and oath breakers some of them do a good job so credit to them. It's just unfortunately, with a lot of this stuff, there's a lot of people in your group that are really making the whole group look bad. It's not it's it's not the fairest thing. I've said this before. If the Italians were running rampant with ridiculous bullshit, I you know on the one hand I would say you know it wouldn't be fair to judge me, but you know I would understand. It's not fair, but like I wouldn't be like I can't believe this guy thinks that I'm doing the same thing all the other Italians are doing. Not all, but you know a lot of them. So you know I wouldn't get bent out of shape. Um, I I mean I don't really care because like who cares? That's the whole thing. Whatever happened to that? Who cares? Like who fucking cares if a person you don't know thinks something? It's like amazing. That suddenly became really important in mainstream society. It's so it's it's again it's it's power. It's about power. That's just a hell of a thing. Like these trannies that put that they claim again. It's not really it's not really honest, but they they claim that if you don't affirm them, it somehow makes them want to kill themselves. First of all, that's music to my ears. But anyway, it's bullshit because it's not real. Because if it was real, they'd all be dead by this point. The internet would have killed every one of them. Actually, that's not how it would have worked. The internet would have caused them all to kill themselves because the internet is the internet. And they have memes and have you seen all of the shit people say about trannies on the internet? It would be a tranny holocaust over in a week, okay? So that's all bullshit, but they say it because... There's power in it because normal, nice people see something like that and they go, oh, well, oh, how can I accommodate you? Because they because normal people want to get along, especially normal white people, uh, Western whites. They want to get along. They want to be nice. OK. Uh, and so they're like, oh, yeah. Oh, well, I'm happy to help you. The big, big mistake. That's a trap. That's a big trap. You're falling into their trap because then they're going to abuse you. They're trying to get you to put your guard down so they can abuse you and ultimately have you uh, be their bitch and do whatever the fuck they want. Or, you know, another, it's not just with trannies. They do it with immigration. They want you to accept insane immigration policy. Um, and so, you know, they can put all these, uh, uh, I mean, right now, you look, they're even putting them in Chicago and New York City. What are they doing? It's so, like, are they so, is there a plan there? I mean, there's got to be a plan, right? They're going to... I've, I've likened them to Zerglings. And again, I'm sure some of them are fine people. Um, but whatever. It, you know, in StarCraft, there's... The, I like the Zerg. I always like... Because they, they, they build the fastest. At least, I'm talking about the first one. I never played any of the other ones. I liked how quick you could just build some and send them out. Uh, <clears throat> that was always satisfying. Anyway. So, um, you, you would... Um, you, Oh, no, no, no. There was also, uh, I'm also thinking of, I don't remember what they were called, but there were these things that you could build that if the opponent walked on them, spikes would shoot out of the ground. That was awesome. 
So, so just w whatever you want to uh, call these uh, people, they're they're strategically being put in all these different places. So they think that they're going to have them riot in 2024 if they need rioters. That's what I think they're doing. That's why I think they're strategically placing them around the country. Now, there's a there's a whole, you know, maybe that'll work, but it might not work. It really might not work because. Um, I mean, they're already making them angry. I think I was watching, quite frankly, a few weeks ago, and they had this guy on the ground there. And they were talking to this girl. I forget her name. Mel something? And she lives in New York. And um, I think like in Manhattan. And I believe this was the episode where they were talking about, like, it seemed like Democrat activists were trying to, like, run this narrative to the migrants like you were promised all these things and they didn't give them to you. You need to be angry. So it seems like they're already kind of doing that. But, you know, there hasn't really been any migrant rioting. So they better be sure they can get the migrants to riot. You know, we can, we can uh, get the criminal element and Antifa to riot. I guess that's still the tried and true in case the migrants don't riot. But uh, anyway, it's a hell of a thing. They're using them strategically and... Uh, I hope I'm wrong about that. I hope they. Uh, I hope it. You know, everything works out. <laughs> I don't. I don't see how that happens. How does that happen? Anyway, back to this fucking dumb bitch. We have uh, Breitbart reported that the ban took effect Saturday, September eighth, and again there was a lot of protest today, which was fantastic. Now we got John Block, a New Mexico state rep, who said that. Uh, uh, they're going to try to impeach and remove Lugin uh, Grisham. Now, that's very important because you have to set an example that if you do some fucked up bullshit like this and you violate your constituents' constitutional rights, you have to be at minimum removed. Look, I have a long jail list, and I know it's it probably never going to take place. That's fine. I'm just giving my opinion of what I think should happen to these people. I have no power. But at minimum removal, at minimum, you have to remove her. This is like insane. She crossed such an insane line. This was, of course, the trial balloon, I believe they call it. Um, and so uh, it, it blew up in their face so much that they had to roll out a coordinated propaganda effort to have uh, people like David Hogg and Ted Rue. Hello, Ted Rue. Uh, Ted Rue had to come out and um, say something like, oh, I, I, I don't even remember. He's like... Uh, I'm all for gun control. They all said the same thing. They're all for gun control, but this, you know, you can't suspend the Constitution and all this fucking ridiculous bullshit, but uh, it's fascinating. All right, so Dr. Fucker, they're trying to bring back COVID again. I don't think people are going to go along with it. Uh, there is a little bit of an uptick in mask usage in my area, but nothing, not even, not even uh, uh, close like it was. Oh, is that what the spiky things were called? Lurkers? I like those. I used to fucking build a million of those. Those were fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Anyway. Um, oh, and then there were the ones that would shoot the, uh, the whatever, the shit that flied, uh, that flew. I, I forget the names. Wraiths were the, uh, the, the human ones. What, what the fuck were they called? Terran, I think. And then the Protoss had their fucking things. And then, you, anyway, whatever. <clears throat> I should play that game again. It was pretty good. 
Fauci warns of <laughs> he's doing the David Pakman. Confusing. Fauci warns of confusing studies on masking. What a liar, you fucking liar. By the way, we got a quote from the guy that did the best study, one of the, that was part of the best study on masks, the most comprehensive analysis. And the quote's great. And I was like a little bit impressed. I'm like, oh, hey, good. You're not cucking. Fantastic. People are being misled about studies examining, examining the effectiveness of face masks against Ching Chong AIDS, according to, to bathhouse enthusiast Dr. Fucker. Jonathan Carl, a co-anchor of ABC's This Week, who is an abject retard, probably the dumbest thing he ever said, uh, and this was early on when I was doing this. Uh, you might recall uh, the media, and it's just funny because I think uh, it was either Bill Maher talking to Joe Rogan. He brought this up. Like, it, it's it's so funny. And, um, oh, yeah, I was watching Viva Fry, and he, he, he I, I don't remember Viva Fry during this time. Uh, I don't even know if he was doing analysis, but he remembered the story. So uh, Maher said, uh, so what they did, right, if you recall, the inauguration happens, and all of a sudden these pictures from like five hours before the inauguration start going up on Twitter, and uh, the, 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 the assholes are like, look how no one came to the inauguration, okay. And then they took the Obama inauguration uh, at like the peak level when everyone was, was there, okay. This is a cl they do this all the time at Trump rallies. Bill Mitchell does this all the time at Trump rallies. He'll take, he'll take a, a picture two hours before the rally started, um, this guy, um, I forget his name. Uh, it was hilarious. I forget what state this was. Um, I found a guy who had footage of the, I think it was the town hall with Hannity. And there was a guy who was there who like filmed, you know, all these different angles on a video. But he filmed it, I believe, uh, when it was like uh, about to start. And it showed the seats were filled. And, uh, and anyway, you know, I put, Bill Mitchell ignores and He's like David Pakman. He ignores anything that goes against his narrative. Uh, but, you know, I posted that. I'm like, why don't you t show the pictures of, like, when it started? Why are you showing pictures two hours before it started? Of course there's empty seats. What are you, a retard? Yes, he is a retard. <clears throat> what do you say not to call him? A homosexual drag queen? <laughs> that was great. Oh, and then he went on. Did you? Did we not cover the clip? I don't think we did. Was that? Was I? Was I in Florida when this happened? He went on Tim Pool, and complained to Tim Pool and Laura Loomer and the other guy that was there. He complained on the internet. He did this. He said, "Oh, the, something like the Trump supporters say I look like an aging lesbian." <laughs> First of all, why would you say that? Because now everyone's going to call you an aging lesbian. Oh, I think Roseanne called him an aging lesbian. And then Michael Malice said something like, don't you have AIDS? It was phenomenal. Because Bill, Bill Mitchell can't take a joke. Anyway, enough about that. So the point is, John Carl. <clears throat> so the media did a gay op on the crowd side. So then Trump's like, hey, this isn't true. I had a bigger crowd than that. Than that. And then the argument was, if you combine the crowd size and the, the amount of people watching, you know, through TV and the internet, this is the largest inauguration ever, okay? So, <clears throat> Sean Spicer came out there, and I, I actually liked Sean Spicer for a lot of the, I, I thought he was decent. He would talk to the uh, journalists, they're not journalists, the, the, the bitches in the media. He would talk to them like they were children. 
Remember the whole daddy daycare thing? I thought that was pretty funny. He, he treated them like children because they were children. They're fucking children, especially April Ryan. What a bitch. So anyway, he comes out with the... And granted, you could argue like stylistically, optically, maybe maybe Spicer was a little too hard on his delivery because he was like, this was the largest inauguration, period, or something like that. Anyway, Jonathan Carl asks Sean Spicer if the Reagan inauguration was bigger than Trump's. The internet didn't exist during Reagan's. Like, that's the dumbest shit I've ever heard. Now, if you want to talk, like Obama, and like there was the internet with Obama. I don't know how much, I think there was streaming. Obama had a big fucking inauguration. So if people want to bring up Obama, that's fine. And also there was a lot of people that bought the Obama propaganda. And that was like a big deal. Okay, so fine. If you want to compare it uh, uh, to Obama's inauguration, fine. But Reagan, what are you talking? There, there was no live streaming. The only way to watch that was on TV. That doesn't make any fucking sense, Jonathan Carl. But he asked that because he's a moron. These people are morons. And then the whole time they're like, oh, Donald Trump, what, this bad guy, why does he care about crowd size? Because you're, you're lying. And he's like, hey, stop lying. Although he does care about crowd size. He does bring it up often. But anyway, what I was very happy with is that when Marr brought this up, Viva pointed out that the media are the ones that made a big deal out of the crowd size. I was like, that's right. That's right. Very good. Anyway, Jonathan Carl <clears throat> pressed Fauci on the efficacy of masking near the end of the interview. Quote, there's a new study out that suggests that masks were actually not effective, at, at least in the global sense, uh, in containing the pandemic. What is your sense looking back on all this? Did masks prove to be less effective than you anticipated? Fucker responded by insisting that some of the studies are confusing and then singled out an analysis released in January by the Cochrane Institute. We'll have more on that in a moment, which raised the prospect that masks hardly made a difference in stopping the spread of respiratory viruses such as Ching Chong AIDS. The study prompted headlines saying that face masks made little to no difference in preventing the spread of Ching Chong AIDS after a wave of mask guidelines and mandates during the pandemic. But Carla Soares Weiser, editor-in-chief of the Cochrane Library, responded with a statement in March saying it was an inaccurate and misleading interpretation to claim that the study that found masks don't work. So th now that's, that's a previous quote. Now, what this is, you've seen this a million times. What happens is scientists will dare to do their work and they will discover that something exists or doesn't exist, something works or doesn't works, or excuse me, that doesn't work, that goes against the media narrative. Okay, so then they, 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 um, they put out the study. Now, sometimes they put these don't hurt me sentences in it. For example, there were a bunch of them. The newer mass studies, remember when, uh, when we went over them, or some of the vaccine ones, where it clearly, whether it's vaccine, showed that there's like a ridiculous risk of myocarditis with young boys or that the masks don't work. But then they'll put one of these don't hurt me things where they're like, but it's still important that we mask and blah, 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 and whatever. Okay. Sometimes that will keep off the, the, the commies. Sometimes the commies will put pressure to get the, the study retracted, especially with uh, tranny studies. 
uh, they are vicious with the tranny studies because they want to mutilate as many kids as possible. They don't want any pushback. So anyone with the audacity to put out a study showing the true horrors of these surgeries, they they make sure that those are retracted. You can you can predict it consistently. Um, rarely do the studies come out because they're usually not allowed to do the studies. But once in a while, a study will come out and they'll do it. Or or graphite. Graphite. I, I don't remember uh, who was talking about graphite in the vaccine. Um, oh, yeah. This was, um, I don't think I talked about this. Stu Peters made a post about graphite in the vaccine and got community noted with some fucking bullshit. In the community notes, they were like, oh, there's no evidence for graphite. Now, the thing with the graphite is if you study whether or not there's graphite in this shit or in some of them, like that's probably gonna get shut down or if you release it, like there's not a lot of incentive to study that. So there's not gonna be a ton of studies. So you gotta go to like Italy, there's an Italian study. Uh, there was also the whole thing where they found a bunch of it in Japan. But anyway, there are multiple studies. Now, of course, this is what's great about Twitter, at least now with these things, even though you know Twitter has problems people that were in the thread were just posting these studies and they were like, what's with this community note? This community note, note is bullshit. I bookmarked a couple of the studies. I figured they might come up again. But uh, yeah, there is graphene in it. Uh, maybe not in everyone, but in some of them there is. So yeah, that community notes was fucking bullshit. Anyway, the point is this person obviously got pressure put on them from leftists. And they were like, oh, it's inaccurate and misleading to claim that study found that masks don't work. And this is legalese, right? Because technically the masks work like, what, 3%? They're like 3% effective. So, and I, I even saw Tim Pool do this. This was the argument Tim Pool made that made um, Ladapo laugh in his face, which was one of the greatest moments. I, really, I... I I love that guy. That guy, he doesn't give a fuck. He says the truth about the vaccine and masks. And if you say some bullshit to his face, he'll laugh in your face. Joseph Ladapo is the greatest hire DeSantis ever made. That guy's awesome. Anyway, that's the argument Tim Pool was making because Ladapo was saying, all right, well, the thing with the masks is that like, I forget what the percentages are. They're super low. Like the cloth mask is like 2% effective and the N95 is like, I don't know, 15%. Also, it all depends on, like, we're talking about optimal usage, right? So we're talking about you always have a clean mask. It's fitted to your face. You're in optimal conditions. And they're, they're, especially children, they're not in those conditions. Okay. So Tim argued, just like Fauci here, oh, well, if it only works like, you know, 3% or whatever, it still works, right? And then Ladapo laughed in his face because that's fucking retarded. Okay. On what planet would anyone accept 2% 13%, 15% effectiveness. No one would wear a condom that was 13% effective. What are you kidding me? That's insane. And then it's not like these things, you know, massage your face and like make you feel like you're on heroin. No, they're very negative. They're very bad for your health. Okay. They, they, uh, um, uh, retard the learning, uh, uh, of children. They, um, Oh, there was all this shit I didn't even know about. They there's they can like give kids cavities because they're making these kids wear them all day. They can get cavities. They can get these fungal infections. It's a goddamn disaster. So 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 the benefits don't even come close to outweighing the risks. It is retarded. Like the mask wearing is fucking retarded. 
And still, these motherfuckers like Fauci pretend, oh no, you're just being confused. No, we're not confused. You're a fucking bitch. That's the issue. Anyway, so uh, yeah, that's the David Pakman. Confused. Remember that shit? First, I remember Pacman doing that. Pacman was like sucking off some commies in a video, like lit, like like Stalin or whatever. And Sargon pointed it out and made a video about it. This was like 50 years ago. And uh, then David Pacman made a response, and he was like, "Sargon is confused." No, he isn't, fucker. Anyway, the study recently has been quoted a lot. So this is what fucker said, and causing a lot of confusion. Uh, which even the people who run the Cochrane study say the study can be misleading. We're about to get to that. Because people have commented on the study saying absolutely masks don't work, which is absolutely not the case because there's a number of studies that show that masks actually do work. Lie. And there's a lot of confusion where you take a broad series of studies and you look at them in a a meta-analysis. Only a couple of those studies were specifically looking at COVID. Well, who cares? It's the same thing. Influenza-like illness. It's the same shit. It's the same shit. Oh, my. It doesn't have to specifically be COVID. These guys are... he He knows. Fauci knows. He knows they don't work. Bro, this guy is a fucking Mengele. How many people did Mengele allegedly kill? <clears throat> or, of course, I mean, what I meant to say is how many people did Mengele definitely kill? Whatever the number they say it is. Because um, Fauci, if you want to start comparing body counts, how many homosexuals did he kill with AZT? That was a lot. And then how do you want to assess his death count with this? Do you want to just include... Um, COVID deaths because, you know, he was very much part of the gain-of-function research, so that should be something. This might be one of the most prolific killers in human history. I'm not exaggerating. I'm being dead serious. Fauci might be the the most prolific killer, one of the most prolific killers in the history of the country. Anyway, fascinating. Only a couple of those studies were specifically looking at COVID, so I think we'd better be careful that the study that people keep talking about can be very misleading. There's a lot of good data that masks work. Again, total lie. Now, let's bring up what the author of the study said. Credit to this guy. That simply doesn't make sense. Lead author of the Cochrane Mask Review responds to Fauci's dismissal of evidence. Former chief medical advisor to the U.S. president, Dr. Fucker, was questioned over the weekend by a CNN reporter, Michael Smirkanish, uh, about face masks being used to curb the spread of COVID-19. He said different studies give different percentages of advantage, but there's no doubt that the weight of the studies indicate the benefit of wearing masks. Mercanish brought up the 2023 Cochrane Review, which found no evidence that physical interventions like face masks could stop viral transmission in the community and cited my interview with lead author of the study, Tom Jefferson, who confirmed there is just no evidence that the masks make any difference. Full stop. Fauci replied, yeah, but there are other studies stressing that masks work on an individual basis. When you're talking about the effect on the epidemic or the pandemic as a whole, the data are less strong. But when you talk about an individual basis of something, or excuse me, of someone protecting themselves or protecting uh, themselves from spreading it to others, there's no doubt that there are many studies that show there's an advantage. That's a lie. Professor Tom Jefferson, who says he's committed to updating the Cochrane Review as new evidence emerges, has responded to Fauci's comments, quote, 
So Fauci is saying that masks work for individuals, but not at a population level. That simply doesn't make sense. And he says there's other studies, but what studies? He doesn't name them, so I can't interpret his remarks without knowing what he's referring to. Jefferson explains that the entire point of the Cochrane Review was to systemically sift through uh, the available randomized data on physical interventions such as masks and determine uh, what was useful and what was not. Um, since 2011, the uh, Cochrane Review only included, um, where is that one? Oh, yeah. Uh, hold on a second. Oh, yeah. Randomized trials. That's the one. And now, remember, that was the gold standard. That's David Pakman's gold standard, which is, of course, Fauci's gold standard, because David is a paid whore. So whatever Fauci's standard is, it will be his standard. So this is the gold standard study, remember? Oh, they have to be... <clears throat> these studies, uh, they have to be... Um, uh, uh, what the fuck is the goddamn phrase? Where? Why Is this moving? Oh, yeah, here it is. Randomized trials. It was moving. Fuckers. Randomized trials. It's got to be randomized trials. Oh, really? It does? Well, here's a bunch of fucking randomized trials. That's all they use. How about that? Oh, no, no, no. Can't use them because they go against the narrative. It might be that Fauci is relying on trash studies, says Jefferson. Many of them are observational. Some are cross-sectional and some actually use modeling. That is not strong evidence. Once we excluded... Man, this thing skips. Okay. I apologize, this thing is flipping around. Once we excluded such low-quality studies from the review, we concluded there was no evidence that masks reduced transmission. The problem with Fauci is the stories changed. Initially, Fauci said masks were effective, and then, of course, he lied and said that they were not... Um, or, or, yeah, he said they were not, and then he said they were, and then he said facts changed. Uh, what fa so Jefferson said to that, what facts changed? There were no randomized studies, no new evidence to justify his flip-flop. That's simply not true. Since then, Fauci has remained adamant that face masks not only stop people from infecting others, but they also protect the wearer. Fauci advocated for the use of cloth masks and even encouraged double masking in the absence of evidence. You uh, uh, so Jefferson said related to that, what Fauci doesn't understand is that cloth and surgical masks cannot stop viruses because viruses are too small and they still get through. He laments that public figures have tried to undermine the Cochrane Review despite it representing the gold standard of evidence. Columnist Zinep Turkufuki-Fucki wrote an article in the New York Times titled, Here's Why the Science is Clear That Masks Work, claiming that Cochrane's mask study has misled the public. Cochrane's editor-in-chief capitulated to pressure and apologized for the wording in the plain language summary of the review because it was open to misinterpretation and may have led to inaccurate and misleading claims. And former dumb whore Rochelle Relinsky misled Congress after claiming that the Cochrane review had been retracted, which is patently false. This is, the, this is what they do with every study that they don't like. As it stands, the Cochrane review will continue to be subject of attacks because it presents a major roadblock for implementing masking policies. Jefferson says he doesn't know what motivates people to ignore the facts. Could it be part of a whole agenda to control people's behavior? Perhaps, he said. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. He says, what I do know is that Fauci was in a position to run a trial. He could have randomized two regions to wear masks or not, but he didn't, and that's unforgivable. Well, I mean, he's got a, it's a lot more going on with Fauci than uh, not running a trial. 
All right, what else do we have here? All right, well, well this, uh, this is, we'll, we'll, we'll watch the video of this. You got this eggless whore in Colorado that called Trump a liar for saying that taking him off the ballot is election interference. It's crazy. Also wanted to point out, I thought this was funny, that the internet, uh, you know, I'm making fairly obvious observations. So um, you can see Jonathan Greenblatt and Nosferatu. This was a meme on the internet, and I, uh, I, I fully concur. Uh, he obviously looks like Nosferatu. That's why I call him Rabbi Nosferatu. Also, there is the clip of him talking about Christians, and man, does that guy hate Christians. That guy, that guy made a face like someone sprayed diarrhea on the floor and it just the smell hit him when he said the word Christian. He fucking hates Christians. It's wild. How this guy has any power is beyond me. That's ridiculous. He's an extremist. He's a crazy extremist. Um, California voters deliver a resounding no to cash reparations for slavery. And of course, that means that they're going to get it shoved right up their ass. California's going to shove reparations right up their ass, even though most of them don't want it. But there you go. Not not surprising. And uh, then we had this thing where uh, Mala Harris, you got to make sure you get her name right, otherwise you're a racist. So it's Kuntmala. Mala repeatedly refused to say whether there should be any limits on abortion. She was asked over and over again on Face the Nation. She would not respond because these people want to murder babies, and they're working on murdering babies after they're born. They tried to pass that in California, in Maryland, and in Virginia. Now, the California one, I think, is the craziest one because that one, it didn't pass ultimately, but it will. I bet you it will at some point. They wanted to make it illegal to investigate any infanticide within the first 30 days. So baby's born, you got a 30-day window to kill that fucking kid, and they're not allowed to investigate, and they're not allowed to criminally investigate the mother. Yeah. Can you imagine what the abortion industry would do with those babies? They're already killing babies after they've been born. You got the woman that was uh, jailed recently who a whistleblower at this fucking horror show laboratory at a college gave this woman uh, these remains and the, and the whistleblower was like these kids are these babies are obviously too big to like these are post-birth abortions so anyway she turned the uh the uh bodies over to the police and instead of investigating the police put her in jail i think the biden doj she's facing multiple charges because the the thing about her going to jail that was before the latest um thing where she was she and a bunch of other uh, um, anti-abortion people were were convicted on the face act and they're looking at like 10 years in prison from uh, biden's doj it's sick completely sick um this is uh, a federal court struck down a felony voting ban as cruel and unusual punishment. So in Mississippi, um, they wanted to make it where if you were, uh, if you got a felony for murder, arson, bigamy, bribery, embezzlement, forgery, obtaining money or goods under false pretense, perjury, rape, or theft, uh, or crimes that the Mississippi Attorney General determines fall under those explicit categories, such as armed robbery or timber larceny. Um, so apparently any of those people will be able to vote at some point. Now, certainly if you get caught shoplifting, I, I don't think you should you lose your right to vote. But like murder? Yeah, fuck you. You don't murder people. What are you, fucking crazy? Rape? I mean, what are you talking about? It's like ridiculous. So anyway, there you go. Uh, 
Of course, the Democrats are advocating for that, but uh, for no particular reason at all. Um, so uh, they got this global homo conference. So the EU chief boasts about vaccine passports and calls for more of a global digital collaboration. Uh, and of course, wants to do digital IDs with an ominous call for increased global collaboration and centralization. EU President Ursula von der Bichelen at a G20 session dubbed One Future Today appealed for an international regulatory body for AI and digital ID systems, similar to vaccine passports. Go fuck yourself with a feminine penis. Vander uh, Vanderbitch in her position as the EU Commission President touched on AI and the digital landscape in her address. She acknowledged the potential dangers and opportunities linked to advancing AI technology and emphasized the importance of channeling such explosive technology. So hopefully uh, they're defied um, and people engage in abject rebellion to any of this shit. There are probably some countries that they will be able to successfully roll this shit out with. But, uh, man, and the AI shit, that's going to be fucking crazy. All right, let's get to some videos here and uh, start out with uh, this. uh, Which one is this? Oh, yeah, they bring this eggless whore from Colorado on. She's trying to steal the election. By but keeping to, Trump to off the, the ballot. Point of Donald Trump exaggerates and lies. There's a, a bigger issue that is the basis of the lawsuit. He incited the insurrection and tried to steal the election from the American people. First of all, bitch, you got the the teeth of a British person, but you're American, so I don't know what the fuck's going on there. You may be floss. Have you heard of it? Anyway, so and look at look at the eyes. Look at this bitch's eyes. She's got the eyes from fucking, uh, I don't know, one of those movies with the, uh, what was it? Uh, it doesn't even, even, does it matter? Look at her eyes. What, are you kidding me? That should be disqualifying right there. I'm sorry, madam. You look like a crazy bitch. It's time to escort you out. Anyway. Oh, by the way, did you see the video of the climate protesters being dragged? It's the latest one. There's a couple good ones. This guy gets out of his car and he just drags them off the road. And I thought to myself, I didn't post this, but I thought, well, if, if you can't escort them out, drag them out. No problem. You, can, you know, I, I, I say start off with escorting them out. And if they refuse, then drag them out. No problem. But anyway, um, there was no insurrection, dumb whore. There's a lot of questions about if that affects his valid access, and that's something that I hope a court will decide and provide Holy guidance. Holy shit, have you brushed your teeth once? Look at this, that's crazy. Oh my God. Secretaries of state all Holy across the nation, shit. but specifically in the state of Colorado. She's got, a, Hi everyone. She's got the teeth of an old man. And it's five o'clock Holy now shit. in New York. Rather thankfully for those accountability hawks among us, these days it feels as if you can throw a rock in the air and hit one of the many attempts to hold Donald Trump accountable for his many, many alleged Bullshit. crimes. At the center of one of those efforts is now the great state of Colorado. That's where six voters, four Republican, two unaffiliated, are right now seeking to remove the disgraced ex-president from that state's ballots for his role in the January 6th attack. <clears throat> the mechanism at the heart of this effort in Colorado is the 14th Amendment, something we've covered here a great deal lately. Those six voters, along with Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington and a number of law firms are making a case that under Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, with 
which essentially says no person shall hold any office if they, quote, engaged in insurrection or rebellion after having taken an oath to support the Constitution. But based on that, Trump should be barred from the ballot. The coalition insists it would be, in their words, quote, improper and, quote, a breach or neglect of duty for Colorado's Secretary of State, Jenna Griswold, who we just heard from in that clip, to allow Donald Trump's name to appear on future ballots, primary elections or general election ballots. So what's Trump doing? What he does best, of course, ranting and raving and trying to work the refs. Today, we learned that his lawyers have filed to have the case bumped up to federal court, citing the, quote, underlying federal constitutional issue in dispute. Well, more on that in a minute. But as we said, Trump is also spending <clears throat> his time telling the citizens over on Earth 2 that the lawsuit itself amounts to election interference. Listen to just a little bit. And uh, what they're doing is un it's called election interference. And all these lawsuits get in the way. Now, the 14th Amendment is just a continuation of that. It's nonsense. Nobody's even said um, there's insurrection. And by the way, there wasn't any guns in the Capitol. You know, the insurrection is, frankly, the people that insurrected on the election and rigged the election. Those are uh, that's true. To the insurrectionist. <sighs> I'm sorry we had to do that, but you had to hear that, right? To be clear, there were guns at the U.S. Capitol. It uh, was. A total lie. There were no guns at the Capitol. It was an insurrection. Uh, there was okay. not an insurrection. Go fuck yourself. God's sake. There's no proof anywhere, including a report that was released today, that the election was fraudulent or rigged. None. Zero. Uh, total bullshit. But the point is this. Get Trump under oath, get him in front of a jury, and all of a sudden, telling the truth and dealing with facts in the Constitution <clears throat> is infinitely more important. It's where we start the hour with Colorado Secretary of State Jenna Griswold. Also joining us, former Deputy National Security Advisor to President Obama, Ben Rhodes, and former top Justice Department official and MSNBC legal analyst Andrew Weissman is back with us. Uh, Madam Secretary, take, take me through um, the, the state of the... We just asked Speaker Pelosi about it, and she said she's going to leave this up to the courts and folks like yourself. Um, tell me where things stand in Colorado. Well, in Colorado, uh, a lawsuit was filed to see if Trump is disqualified for inciting the insurrection and trying to steal the 2020 election from the American people. And you are absolutely right. Section 3 of the 14th Amendment says that someone who swears to protect the Constitution cannot hold office if they engage in rebellion or insurrection or comfort. So again, none of that happened. You're just making that up. None of that happened. Or aid the enemies of the Constitution. Uh, this lawsuit has a lot of really novel questions about that provision in the Constitution. Uh, and we will see what a court says. I think it's good that a court will have to weigh into these big questions of state law and U.S. Constitution. Let me read that section for all of our viewers. Um, I'm not a constitutional scholar, nor my lawyer, but this is pretty plainly written. Quote, no person shall be a senator or representative in Congress or elector of but president she just and vice quoted president you keep reading or hold any office, civil or military, under the United States or under any state who, having previously taken an oath as a member of Congress or as an officer of the United States, or as a member of any state legislature, or as an executive or judicial officer of any state to support the Constitution of the United States, shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same, or given aid or comfort to the enemies thereof. 
but Congress may, by a vote of two-thirds of each house, remove such disability. So my sense, and I know you've said that, that, that you'll refer to the legal process, but my sense is that his, his get-out-of-jail-again-free card is, is perhaps this remedy of a vote of two-thirds of each house. But the, the conduct that he's engaged in and that he doesn't really deny anymore is, is clearly covered by Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. Uh, total made-up bullshit. Well, I, I think the words are clear in Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, but there are some big questions. So, for example, the 14th Amendment doesn't say whether someone disqualified under it is disqualified from running for office or just being seated in that office. It also doesn't say who gets to decide if someone's disqualified. And then Colorado law is silent as how we consider someone disqualified uh, for potential ballot access. So there are big questions. And, you know, this is an unprecedented situation. We have never had a president of the United States try to steal an American election. Again, uh, you stole the election. This is classic Saul Alinsky tactics. And uh, it's uh, it's uh, the, the gall and these people. And again, look at these fucking eyes. No matter how you freeze frame it, she's got crazy eyes. This bitch is crazy. And, I think and these aren't the good crazy eyes that you can kind of work with. These are, this bitch is gone. Like It's just nothing you can do other than escort her out. I think it's important that you share his words. He wants to say that this is election interference. No, his fake elector scheme and attempts to steal again, the That's not real. Fake electors aren't a real thing. You're allowed to have an alternate slate of electors. There's no fake electors. Rachel Maddow made that up. Presidency from the American people is true election interference. Uh, and ultimately, there's big questions around this lawsuit, but make no mistake, Donald Trump tried to steal that election in 2020. Again, total lie. Let me play what one of the legal experts we've turned to to help understand oh, this issue. Who? And how this Lawrence Tribe? Let me guess, Lawrence Tribe? Norm Eisen. Who's the other one? Lessig? Larry Lessig? Process will play out. Oh, how about uh, their main whore? Um, Mark Elias. Let me see. I had to say specifically about your role and, and other secretaries of state. This is Judge Ludwig. Oh, I believe uh, to a certain... Didn't he testify against Trump, this guy? ...that there will be secretaries of states in several of the states... Oh, yeah, he testified at the uh, January 6th thing, didn't he? ...who will decline disgrace. to uh, place the former president on the ballot, uh, arguing that he is unqualified by virtue of Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. Uh, whether that official or those officials qualify the president, former president, or they disqualify him... That decision will be immediately challenged in state or federal court uh, by a person with standing to challenge it. It would certainly mm -hmm. include the former president. Uh, and from that moment on, this will be a ma matter destined for the Supreme Court of the United States. Do you believe, I guess two-part question, if you disagree with any of that, please please um, let us know. But the second part is, do you believe that the Colorado case could become this case if challenged by Donald Trump that ends up in the Supreme Court? 
Well, there's several things I agree with the judge on and several things I disagree with the judge on. I don't think it's clear at this point what secretaries of state will do. I do think it's clear that we will see litigation, including this lawsuit. It's possible that this case goes to the Supreme Court. It's premature. We have just were uh, served the case several days ago. But I think regardless, if Donald Trump is a nominee, this lawsuit may appear in, in several iterations. During the primary, if he's the nominee, the Republican nominee, it could appear again. And if he wins the presidency, it could actually appear again. Uh, so for all of your viewers, this is something, this is a big issue that may not be resolved overnight. So this is probably, uh, if he wins, going to be one of the things they try to do again um, between the election and the inauguration, which is probably going to be one of the craziest times in U.S. history if he wins. But ultimately, the courts need to weigh in, and I will always follow what a court says and uphold the law in the U.S. Constitution. Can you tell us what happens next in Colorado? What is the next process step? So this morning, the Trump camp uh, actually, or yesterday, excuse me, moved the case to federal court. Uh, I think Colorado state courts are very well suited for this case. So we are looking at different legal options there. Um, and, and we'll see how quickly this case moves. Uh, but to, to be very clear, a, a big point that I think is, is worth making is that the American people will have a chance to save democracy in 2024. They stepped up to reject chaos. So if a guy that you don't like wins, democracy's over. And that's what they're not even talking about actual democracy. They mean their rule. Their rule will be over. In 2018, 2020, 2022. And I am so confident that they'll do that again uh, to protect them. Bitch, if you were confident, you wouldn't be doing gay ops like this democracy and make sure that we have a country that lasts centuries to our future look again what how how do you have any influence or power in our society look at your eyes oh my god the things Crazy that trump bitch. has ushered in is to place individuals like yourself into the limelight in the public arena um, and into these extraordinarily novel, to use your word, legal circumstances. And I wonder how that feels for you at a personal level. Oh, what a victim. Well, I'll tell you, the most difficult uh, issue I've grappled with during my time as Secretary of State is the threats. Of course. Uh, Trump has unleashed oh, yeah. conspiracies that have incited threats to election workers. Conspiracies that have incited threats. And Secretaries of State. He lies. He will do anything to intimidate. You're nonstop lying. But I'll tell you what, I won't be intimidated. I'm going to uh, follow it, this lawsuit through to uh, as the, the best way that I believe it should be followed through. Uh, I will oversee our election. No former president will ever intimidate me. And that's what all Americans have to do. We, we cannot allow the, the gravity of the situation to put us into despair. We have to stand up, protect our democracy. That includes litigating cases, showing up at poll workers, and showing up to vote next year. It's an extraordinary answer. It wasn't 
necessarily what I expected, but it, as I just said to Speaker Pelosi, I, I asked her if it was an act of personal defiance to run again after her husband was targeted. Um, I've spoken to Secretary of State by an obvious leftist, Jocelyn Benson, numerous times about the threats against her outside her home when she was inside with her child. Um, I've interviewed uh, federal judge Esther Salas, uh, who had a, a, someone come to her door to to kill her and, and her, her son. Um, Again, none of that was related to Donald Trump. Lost his life confronting him. Um, I know everyone in the arena who challenges Trump at some level faces. So amazing that they're pretending that that one bitch, uh, uh, well, first of all, actually all those people that she listed it has nothing to do with Trump. Uh, Pelosi had nothing to do with Trump. And that uh, lawyer or, or judge that she had on, I think it was last week, that guy had nothing to do with Trump. Unbelievable. The lying is incredible. Ugly smears and threats. And we know from the Department of Homeland Security that right now the greatest threat to the homeland is the intersection of the kinds of things Trump complains about loudly, election interference he calls. That's totally made up. Calls it. Um, but his complaints about the 2020 election. Oh, his complaints are the number one domestic terror threat. There's no evidence that there was any fraud anywhere. Total lie. Where there were instances, they were his voters, not... Uh, again, total lie. Anyone putting their finger on the scale for President Bullshit. Joe Biden. And other issues that he stirs up and manufactures and conspiracies he amplifies. Um, I, I wonder whether you see a new sort of wave of, of public leaders, public officials like yourselves, who instead of being intimidated, are viewing public service in and of itself as their act of defiance against those threats. Absolutely. It's an act of bravery every single day when you are at the front lines of protecting democracy. And I am so proud of secretaries of state, many of whom have stood up against threat and intimidation. In my case, two people have already been found guilty for threatening my life. All of that started after the insurrection because uh, Trump is a liar. Who oh, all those things started after the completely made up thing. Ah, I'm sure that's legitimate. Conspiracies and incites yes. political violence. That total lie is the truth. Of no, the it isn't. If it was, you wouldn't have to say that matter. Um, but again, it's something so motivating to wake up every morning and think, you know, I'm going to do everything I can to protect American democracy. That's great, but you should probably floss before you do that, because Jesus Christ. And it's so motivating to know that there's Republicans and Democrats. You look like you just bit into a shit sandwich. Election workers all across the country. Some poll workers, some working in county courts. She's clerks, got shit sandwich uh, teeth. That's not good. You don't want that. Who wake up with that very same sentiment. That is why I am My so God. optimistic that we will get through this really troubling time for our country. Ben Rose, I want to bring you in on this. I, I wonder, as, as the secretary is speaking, we spend an inordinate amount of time analyzing and trying to figure out how the justified and overdue indictments of Donald Trump in four jurisdictions not at all justified will impact his base. Will they be so agitated? Will they be so mad? Will they be? We don't spend no, nearly enough time probing this terrain that the secretary is talking about. How public servants, election workers, ordinary citizens, young people throwing their hat in the ring to run for office, we're going to talk to one in a minute, are equally energized by the grave, brazen, public, no longer sort of coded or hidden threats to democracy that Donald Trump and all of his enablers represent every single day.
Yeah, Nicole, it's uh, actually important sometimes to step back, as you just did, and realize that there's so many different threads to this story. You know, they're not... Isn't this the guy that cried like a bitch when Hillary Clinton uh, lost? That was great. Indictments, there's cases coming on the 14th Amendment. Uh, there are all these different pieces of uh, political development. Um, but really, this entire period we're living through is boiled down to kind of one thing. He was thing. weeping. Is American democracy going to come out on the other end of this or not? Uh, and we see very ugly things happening uh, that have been normalized in a way, the kind of rhetoric of conspiracy theory, the kind of threats that the secretary and her colleagues are facing, political violence even. Again, but we, totally made up. We also have seen a lot of people, some in the public eye, some in public service, but some people, you know, more in the shadows, election workers, or even just voters themselves who uh, may be inclined sometimes to support a Trumpian agenda, but feel this has gone too far and voted that way in 2020 and 2022. Uh, those people are the people that are going to get us through this period. And whatever the ultimate verdict is, it's frankly going to be delivered, I think, in the 2024 election, one way or another. We also know that there could be other forms of accountability, including criminal accountability, of course, for Donald Trump. Uh, but really what it's going to come down to is, will we look back on this period and see that the people that stood up for democracy, that there were enough of them and that they were successful? And when they have courageous people like the Secretary of State of Colorado, uh, doing that, that, that they have the support that they need uh, to do what they need to do. Uh, and so that's really what this is all about. Um, not any one of the one uh, plot lines, but the, the bigger story about whether or not there are going to be enough people doing the right thing through this period in our history to get to the other side. Keep in mind, the 14th Amendment was written because there had been a period where that didn't happen. And we, we had to have a, a civil war uh, to reconcile what it meant to be American. Uh, uh, let's hope that doesn't happen again. Let's hope uh, that there are enough people that are going to do the right thing uh, through this period. You and I have had multiple yep. conversations, um, Andrew, about the 14th Amendment. Um, where do you, where are your thoughts on it now? And, and, and what is your sort of counsel to states and secretaries of states that are now grappling with the very real legal issues? So I think that, that the secretary has it exactly right, which is that this has to be decided by the courts just as much as if somebody was running for office who was 34 years old and not 35. Um, the courts have to make a determination about what this means, who decides it. It's possible. No, it, like, okay, the Supreme Court very much could disappoint. But here's the thing. This time, they might think similar to how they did um, when they were faced with the... Uh, with taking the case that all those states signed on to. They were cowards, and I think that they thought if they take that case, it's going to cause an uprising. It's very possible that they uh, don't take this one because they think it'll cause an uprising, although I'm not clear. I guess it would depend on how it's ruled because you got to go to, like, uh, different courts. So... What I mean is, like, let's say you have the court before uh, the Supreme Court and they rule Trump is eligible, okay? So then it's the assholes who are appealing to the Supreme Court. In that scenario, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't bank on it, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Supreme Court declined it because they thought that it might cause unrest, amongst Trump supporters this time, rather than Antifa and BLM, and then allow the, um, the ruling to stand that Trump is eligible. 
I think that's possible that it could play out that way. Um, I also think it's possible if it's the reverse that they could take it and rule that he's eligible. Um, but I wouldn't bank on that. They've disappointed before. They've had some very good rulings. They had a run of like three, four really good rulings. Um, this one, I mean, I have no idea. You know you're going to get, um, who is it? Um, Alito and Thomas. You know they're going to be fantastic. You got no problem there. The rest of them, I have no idea. I really have no idea. Uh, you would think Kavanaugh would be, you know, really fucking based and vicious after what they did to him, but he's he's just, I don't know, he's just not great. He's okay. I mean, he's, he's depending on the subject, like abortion, fine, that was fine. But, um, yeah, so it's not a good situation that the Supreme Court's going to ultimately probably decide this. It's crazy, but um, I think it's 50-50. I wouldn't expect the Supreme Court to do the right thing, but I also... I'm not banking that they'll do the wrong thing. I think it's 50-50. It's fucked up that it has to be that. But I, I think it's like 50-50. There are actual open issues. We were talking off-air about uh, former Attorney General uh, Mukasey weighing in on he thinks that it doesn't apply. Well, all of that needs to be resolved by the Filing courts, its brief in the Wall Street Journal editorial Which place. seems to be the, the way <laughs> of the many place for, for certain people to, to make their voices heard. Um, and so I think that the secretary is right to say that this has to be decided. Um, the idea that Donald Trump thinks going to court is an act of insurrection is laughable. I mean, that is, you know, everyone's entitled to court. He was entitled to go to court. To you don't believe Trump was entitled to court. He's literally being indicted right now. You fucking eagle faced whore. He's being indicted now for using the courts. What are you talking about? Oh, my God. The election, he lost. Um, you don't then get to take the law into your hands. And so I think that the secretary has it exactly. How did he take the law into his hands? By going to court? Exactly right, which is to have the courts weigh in on this. I think it, whether it's this case or other cases that, that go up to the Supreme Court, um, you know, we'll see. But something will go uh, to the Supreme Court because they have to resolve it. Um, I do think it's notable that the criminal justice system, though, is stepping in to protect people like the Secretary of State, like Ruby Freeman and Shane Moss. I think there have been now 14 criminal mm -hmm. cases at the federal level for to try and deter mm -hmm. um, this kind of action. That is just a drop in the bucket, though. Right. Um, and so I think it's really important for the criminal law to step in, just as much as they did finally with respect to the January 6th insurrection, mm -hmm. with respect to all of the threats that are being promulgated and instigated by the former president and his allies, because people should not be threatened and should not lose their life and not fear of losing their life. Bitch, you had no problem when they were threatening Kavanaugh and some fucking commie almost assassinated him. For doing, doing their job. jobs. Yeah, um, on that note, um, Madam Secretary, we'll give you the last word. Well, I, I agree with a, a lot of this uh, discussion. I, I will say something that is really regrettable is the Supreme Court just made it harder uh, to prosecute threats in this country. This is a Supreme Court that was afraid of protesters outside of their house and outside of the U.S. Supreme Court. Bitch, they tried to assassinate Brett Kavanaugh. 
Act, which makes it harder to have protection against folks who would try to use intimidation against election officials. Um, so, you know, I, I think, again, we will get through this period in time. Donald Trump should be held accountable, including in criminal courts. For what? Uh, Pissing you all off? That's not a crime. The criminal charges are about holding him personally accountable. For what, bitch? And then I also agree that, that the big question is, will democracy survive? I think that it will. Uh, Americans know what's on the line. They're showing up. They will make their voices heard. And that's what really gives me hope to just continue to do the work every single day to make sure our elections are flawless. Speaking of flawless, why don't you floss your teeth? You know, it, you, I understand, like, when he, because back in the day, all you had was the floss, and that was a bitch. You'd pull the string out, and it was, like, hard to do the angles, and it was fucking bullshit. But now they got these things, these, uh, and, and the ones that come in a bag of a thousand, I don't like those, those, I'm talking about, there's the specific, the Listerine ones. It's on, there's this stick, and you put the thing on a stick, you can get every fucking angle, and it takes two seconds. Holy shit, you need one of those. Why don't you get those like $3? Bitch, spend $3 and dig the shit out of your teeth. It's like insane. Totally insane. Anyway, man, she's got to go. You got to go. And you know she smells like cat piss. I don't even think that's a question. Oh, my God. Okay, so here is this guy, Brian Tyler Cohen, who is a larger Pac-Man. This guy gets lots of views. So he clearly is doing... He's probably blowing a bunch of homos at YouTube and he's getting... So his narrative is on track and he's doing a lot of blowing. So he's getting primetime uh, algorithm featuring. Okay, because he's getting 700, 500, like crazy numbers, okay? Um, anyway, he's a massive liar, just like David Pakman. Um, as gay, but uh, not as... Um, Creepy. Creepy, but not like David Pakman. David has this persona that really is, uh, uh, it makes you ill. It really, it makes you sick to your stomach. And this guy makes me sick to my stomach, just not in the Pakman way. But anyway, this guy, nonstop liar. And look, any person that's like, I tell the truth, or you only get the truth from me, that motherfucker's lying. Okay, because you don't have to, if you're telling the truth, you don't have to say that. And also, you don't determine, you know, the people, if people say this guy's credible, it's up to the people that watch. You can't be touting your credibility or, or sucking your own dick. That's, that's unseemly. Anyway, uh, um, this guy, his show is called No Lie. <laughs> that's hilarious. That's because it's nonstop lying. Anyway, um, so here is, so I showed you. All of those videos of Trump being cheered at the game. And now they're going to play a video with him being cheered. And you, yeah, you do hear a couple boos. But now look at the commentary surrounding this. First of all, the title of this video, Trump gets unwelcome surprise at Iowa football game. And on top of that, um, this is Bill Mitchell's exact narrative. So look what happened. He waved, there was cheering, and, and a couple boos. That seems to be about right. Now, I know not everyone likes Trump. That's fine. And people boo Trump. I don't give a shit. 
and of course, he's not going to play the video, the Ultimate Warrior pop. Uh, not, I mean, maybe I'm exaggerating a little bit. But when he came out of the, whatever the fuck that is in the stadium, the, the door or the, uh, uh, there's a name for it. I, I forget what it is. And it came out and it was like, it was like a wrestling pop. It was crazy. This is Trump getting what I would imagine is a pretty unexpected welcome at today's Iowa, Iowa State football. How is that unexpected? There's always going to be people booing. There's people that boo when he goes to the UFC. Most of the crowd cheers, but some people boo. By the way, so last night uh, when I was wrapping up, someone brought to my attention, I think it's Horatio, that uh, there was a guy who after his fight, he said uh, faggot. He called someone a faggot. And, uh, and I saw, that, and, I, and what I saw was this black dude interviewed who was talking shit to another fighter and called him a faggot. And I said, that's fantastic. Well, I believe, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I saw footage today of another fighter last night after he won his fight calling someone a faggot. And that's phenomenal because we need to get rid of this Overton window uh, and and uh, people I've seen uh, argue that retard is back, and and uh, I saw there was this comedian. This is a couple that has this podcast called like Your Mom's House or something. I don't really watch it, but I've seen this comedian before, and he had a thing where he said retard's back. Now I hope that's true. Apparently, like he said retard on Netflix, and they let it go through. Okay, great, that's good. Um, I hope retard's back. I, I want them all to be back, but uh, you know, one at a time. But anyway. It's going to be very important that not only those fighters not cuck, but Dana White, the, the guy that runs UFC, do not, under any circumstances, find those fucking fighters. If you find those fighters, you're a bitch. Okay? Now, Dana White doesn't seem like a bitch. Dana White, usually, when the media talks shit, curses them out. I like Dana White, so I'd be a little surprised if Dana White find them. But, you know, GLAD and all these homo organizations, they're going to make a very big deal out of this. Maybe not. Maybe it's not getting enough traction. I would, I would think they would, though. And it's very important that the fighters don't cuck and also uh, Dana White don't, doesn't cuck. Oh, and then they got this other guy. I forget his name. Is it Strickland? Is it Sean Strickland? Do I have the name right? This guy says whatever the fuck he wants. He went to Australia at a press conference, and he won his fight, so good for him. He went to Australia and he told the media in Australia that they were a disgrace and that they covered up the fact that a pregnant woman was arrested for like uh, organizing a protest. I was, see, that's, that's the shit. You are facing another country's media and you talk shit to them. And this is talking righteous shit. It's not like, you know, if you were in a country and you were just like making fun of some bullshit, like if you're in an in India and you're like, yeah, some of you shit in the street, that's a little unnecessary. It would be funny, but it's a little unnecessary. I could see how people would be like, well, that's unseemly. But this is necessary because what they did in all these Western countries with COVID was an abhorrent and immoral uh, uh, attack on the citizens that needs to be resolved and the people that did it need to be arrested and they there needs to be tribunals so uh yeah there's a lot of good ufc shit talkers right now and they're good at fighting so i hope this strickling guy becomes a fucking superstar he t and he talks you got that uh what was that that irish guy or scottish guy um he talks a lot of shit i think he's done actually he talks a lot of shit. They claimed he raped someone at the Dallas Mavericks game. Uh, I forget who. Uh, O'Connor. Not O'Connor. Whatever the fuck his name is. I don't know if I buy that. Um, 
he talks shit, but he doesn't talk the right kind of shit. These guys, well, at least Strickland, he talks politics. And I like that. And then the other two, they just said faggot. So very interesting thing to, to see. Hopefully we can, uh, we can bring back faggot. That would be fantastic. And then we'd only have one more to go. A game with what was a mixed reaction from the crowd, but certainly plenty of boos that were otherwise difficult to miss. And probably more unexpected given the fact that this is a state Trump won by eight points. It's almost like the facade of Trump's popularity is starting to expose itself. Retard, he's up 28. You've got to be kidding me. Are you seriously suggesting he's going to lose to, to DeSantis in that state? You're out of your mind. You're out of your mind. And this wasn't his only rough moment from the game. The photos that began to circulate online didn't exactly do the former president any favors either. Take a look at some of these pictures, which probably paint a little bit of a different picture than how Trump will inevitably describe his visit, which you can bet will be that of uncompromised adulation. Yeah, there's usually people that don't like him. And look, most of the people like him, some of them don't, whatever. In a minute since I've been to a college football game, but I'm pretty sure this isn't the sign. So from what I understand, this is a Photoshop picture. Um, I don't think it matters because who cares? If this guy doesn't like Donald Trump and wants to give him the finger, that's fine. I don't care. Who cares? And people are like, oh, what are you going to do, Trump supporter meltdown? No, I, I don't really. This is not a This guy has no effect on the polling. And he has no effect on the outcome of, of, of the state. So, like, who cares? Stick, stick the finger up as much as you want at whoever you want. I don't care. And for adulation. Oh, but we're not done yet because Donald Trump isn't the only Republican candidate in Iowa. Representative Miller Meeks posted a photo of herself with Ron DeSantis also at the game, only small problem. DeSantis couldn't even pose for a single photo without also being flipped off by a fan. Yeah, some people don't like DeSantis either. The fact that this photo was posted online by a Republican congresswoman does make it a little bit better, though. But just for fun, let's keep going. Vivek Ramaswamy, dude raps, he's young. Surely he'd be a hit at the Iowa-Iowa State game, right? I th now, see, this is funny because the normal narrative is that all these white people are racist. But now it's like, I can't believe they didn't like Vivek. Well, you said they were all racist. Why would you think they would like Vivek? He's not white. <laughs> no. Here Fake laugh. He is getting flipped off as well. Almost like Iowans are starting to- Sorry, where is he getting flipped off? Hold on. Flipped off what by a fuck? fan. The fact that this photo was posted online by a Republican congresswoman does make it a little bit better though. But just for fun, let's keep going. Vivek Ramaswamy, dude raps, he's young. Surely he'd be a hit at the Iowa-Iowa State game. Why would a rapper be a hit in Iowa? That seems ridiculous. Right? <laughs> no, here he is getting flipped. Oh, this guy? Is it that guy? Okay, so he gave him the finger. Who cares? I bet I bet Vivek laughed it off and moved on. Because Vivek, he doesn't, he's unflappable. You see that Anomaly interview? I thought Anomaly did a good job. Anomaly was, um, was uh, um, what would you call it? Uh, he was, um, what's, there's a word for it. I forget the word. He was, uh, you know, he wasn't like going along with it. He was uh, hostile. He was hostile. And which is fine. It's I think it's totally fine to be hostile with politicians. You need to get to the bottom of their bullshit. And uh, so he 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 asked his questions. He was adversarial, and Vivek answered the questions and handled himself. And uh, he didn't get emotional. And they were two adults having a debate. I, it was a pretty good interview. I just wish he anomaly could have done that with sticks, 
where everyone just, you know, there's no, no one's getting emotional and going after people's audiences and just be normal. I don't know why he couldn't do that with Sticks. Especially Sticks, he's chill. He's like laid back. I don't understand. Anyway, whatever. <clears throat> I like Sticks. It's, it, but I also like Anomaly. I wish, you know, they, there was not this fucking stupid, uh, just seems unnecessary. Anyway, whatever. Um, but, you know, I think Anomaly did a good job. And I think Vivek did a good job. And I think Vivek has a snake oil salesman quality that makes me assume that he's not going to back up what he says. But you never know. But he says good things. He definitely says good things. And uh, we'll see. We'll see. Flipped off as well. Almost like Iowans are starting to realize exactly who these people are. And that's the thing to remember. Well, again, he's up 28. Americans, even in red states, are starting to recognize exactly what the Republican Party stands for. What are you talking about? You think you're winning these people over? You're out of your mind. So whether you're still leaning on the GOP's archaic branding about freedom, or a younger candidate's penchant for... Obvious commie does not like freedom. ...rapping, that glossy veneer is no longer enough to hide what that party actually represents. The, the rapping was, uh, people thought it was cringe. I, I didn't think that went over too well. Presents. The GOP is a collection of mostly old white Christian men looking to... That's not true at all. That's hilarious that you think that. ...to impose an unpopular theocratic agenda... On uh, that's not true at all. ...to a population that has made it abundantly clear that they're not interested. That's totally made up. We don't want the abortion bans. We don't want the interstate travel bans. We don't want the book bans. We don't want... Faggot, who's we? You're all with this we shit. You might not want those things, but there's plenty of people in the country that do. Or do a majority of the people in the country want an abortion ban? No, but there's a, a solid amount of people that do. So why can't you just be honest and say that? Why do you gotta lie and be like, we are not gonna tolerate that? Who, the fucking silly faggots? Yeah, I know, uh, but, but what about the rest of us? How about the people that are not fucking gay? Can we at least get some people that do leftist commentary that are not homosexuals? Can I get one non-homosexual? Just one, you know, look, I don't even care if you're gay, but why does everyone have to be gay? Why does everyone have to be gay? It's really wild. Something's going on. Something's in the water. Something's fucking happening. I'm telling you, even anecdotally, and I know this is anecdotes, but there's people that I know that used to be in the JWs. You know, like you talk to people that you knew. You know, hey, uh, how's this person? How's that person? Hey, is that person still going to the meetings? Stuff like that. I'm telling you. So, and it was like in a period of like a week, I find out that like, oh, th these person don't go, but now the daughter's trans and then the other daughter is non-binary. And then this other family I know, then this, this guy, he, he um, leaves his family and his kid to move to California to become a homosexual. And he's now wearing makeup on, on uh, California. These are people that I knew. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? It's, it's got to be a social contagion. There's no way. There's something. I don't know what it is. Now, look, do some people actually organically become this? Absolutely. But not at the levels that we're seeing. This is something in the water. Could be, ultimately, the chemicals, like Alex Jones said, maybe. I, I, it's just, uh, yeah, a bunch of people that I know that, from the JWs. Just um, same shit. All their kids are fucking... This trans stuff, and it's, I mean, it, give me a break. Crazy. Absolutely insane. We don't want the LGBT bans. We don't want the attacks on Social Security and Medicare and Medicaid. We don't want the attacks on... Now, that's probably the... Well, first of all, there's no we here, so get the fuck out. 
but at least, yeah, a lot of people don't want uh, Medicaid and Medicare to be fucked with. That's probably the only true thing that you've said so far, even though you phrased it dishonestly with the we. Minority communities. We don't want the gun violence. We don't want the agenda that the Republican Party is selling. It doesn't matter how historically red a state was. People are beginning to recognize exactly who they are and what they stand for. It's not true at all. You're full of shit. Red states are turning blue. You're out of your mind. And you may think I'm lying, but you are absolutely lying. The numbers don't. According to 538, in the 38 special elections held so far this year, Democrats have outperformed the partisan lean of the areas where the races were held by an average of 10%, both in parts of the country that typically support the Republican Party, while also cutting down on Republican margins in red cities and counties. For example, the Democratic candidate in a Wisconsin State Assembly special election in July lost by just seven points in an area where Republicans have a 22-point edge. Yeah, they cheat in Wisconsin. How the fuck do you think this happens? This is not l organic. In a New Hampshire special election in May for a state house seat, the Democrat won by 43 points, well beyond the party's estimated. I don't really know anything about New Hampshire, um, but I would assume that the tactics that they used in Georgia, um, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Arizona, uh, that they probably use it in most states, I would assume. 23-point edge in that district. In the Wisconsin Supreme Court race earlier this year, liberal candidate Janet Protasiewicz won by 11 points, and that's in a state known for its 1% margins in elections. If you think the electoral map isn't being completely and quickly redrawn because of the GOP's extremism right now, then you're very clearly not paying attention. Now you're just full of shit. You're full of shit with propaganda. And look, is it a big deal that Trump and DeSantis and Ramaswamy got booed at a football game? Well, why the fuck are you making a big deal out of it? Probably not. But the lesson that we can take away from it is that the story about the GOP stranglehold on the heartland is as much a lie as Trump's 215-pound self-reported weight from his Fulton County booking. What kind of man cares about the weight of another man? Well, a gay man, that's the answer. Middle America is waking up to the reality that they're being taken advantage of by a party of authoritarians and theocrats who believe Total projection. That just because certain places have voted Republican in the past means that they're guaranteed to vote that way in the future. We've got a fully blue Michigan that tells a much different story. Yeah, they cheat their asses off in Michigan, especially in Detroit. So you can be sure that the Trumps and DeSantis's and Ramaswamy's of the world well, will- There's plenty of base places in Michigan where they know that these three trifling whores are criminals and they would want them out and they vote them out, but they can't do anything about it because they cheat. Never acknowledge they're not so warm welcome in Iowa, but they should absolutely take it as a warning. They have lost those students. They've lost those independents. They've lost those sane Republicans. Again, totally made up. Who don't want to be ruled by a party of extremists. I'll take that bet. And the boos are going to look tame compared to what these Republicans endure at the ballot box when it finally comes time to vote for one of these far-right extremists come November of 2024. What a bitch. So there we go. That guy, and again, he gets super crazy algorithm preference 1.3 million views holy shit he has 2.25 million subscribers so he is definitely one of the top youtube whores for democrat propaganda all right next one republicans force cameras in elementary school classrooms cameras are now being uh, proposed to be implemented in many schools across the country Good. well there's certain ones that are talking about it some that already have it going down it follows the local school board um, I'm sorry, in, in Georgia, this is in Effingham County, Georgia, and their elementary schools are looking to do this. This follows a local school board spending $2 million for fitting cameras in their high school classrooms. You know, 
so we can watch everything that happens. This isn't anything new, cameras. Well, yeah, commies, especially the predator commies, uh, they need to be watched. Have been proposed before Especially in classes. But I now, mean, ultimately, the optimal thing to do is to fire them, but you know, I guess they're not doing that. As we've seen many Republicans in these local school districts and also in local government implementing all these crazy things because they're afraid of learning. So, this is what's going on now, and this is their excuse. Uh, they want to increase the role of parents. Superintendent Yancey Ford of Effingham County School Board claimed the move is one of a number of new quote safety initiatives that are being introduced. It'll also be an opportunity to highlight exemplary teachers. You think that's the reason? Ford claimed the cameras are being introduced as part of a general tightening of security. So it's to highlight exemplary teachers and to heighten up some security. He said, we examined the safety initiatives we had in place and made a decision to dedicate resources to ramp up security measures within the district. He also said, as we continue to look at the ways we can support teachers and students from a safety standpoint, we felt like cameras in the classroom would be the next step. We've always had cameras in the common areas throughout the school, but the classroom cameras would be an added safety feature. Asked whether parental permission would be needed for the filming, you know, because parents' rights, Ford claimed that it was unnecessary because the student parent handbook, and it states, there's no expectation of privacy on buses nor in the public areas of the Effingham County schools. Video cameras may be placed on buses, classrooms, and in the public areas of the campuses of Effingham County schools. What if you're suspecting kids of going in the bathroom and doing drugs? We gotta put cameras in there. Oh, well, they're going into stalls where we can't really see. Gotta put cameras in there, safety features. Safe. They said they were going to put cameras in the stalls. I didn't see that. Did you see that? Did I miss that? Are you making that up? I think you're making that up. Safety features, safety features. The children are trying to run rampant and these no good stupid teachers keep letting them do all that they want. They might even teach them about critical race theory, but they won't. Well, yeah, that's commie bullshit. You gotta get that out of there. Won't. Still though, uh, there's many uh, people that have pointed out the downsides to this idea. Uh, maybe you can think of a couple, Ray, because I have. <laughs> well, first I'll just say that the uh, there's a lot of precedent. Oh, here's Ojama King from appeals courts in the Supreme Court level about the expectation of privacy for children in school. And it is actually shockingly low, mm -hmm. the expectation of privacy that children have in schools. They You do forego as a child certain levels of uh, rights to privacy when you enter in the school building. And just to that point, and I'm sure that they had their school attorney clear this, uh, the Parent-teacher handbook is a legally binding document, so I, there is merit to what's being said there. Not to make a judgment value statement about it, but on the legal end of things, this is okay. Two million dollars is going to installing cameras in classrooms. That's two million dollars that's not going to updating textbooks. That's two million dollars that's not going to improving classroom conditions. That's $2 million that's not going to increasing teachers' salaries. That's $2 million that's not going anywhere else that would actually bring value to the educational, you know, the education that these children are receiving. That's $2 million that are being wasted so that some parent can play God and watch the children sit in the classroom all day on their computer. It's disturbing. And the idea that this is gonna highlight exemplary teacher behavior, there is, I'm, there's very little on the teachers actually do that. She's built like a linebacker. You would be able to just watch on, there's no audio on these cameras that you would be able to glean the value out of just by watching it on these cameras. That is reflected in the quality of the work that the children are able to produce from what the teacher is doing. Those we can measure, we can see that value and the $2 million being spent on 
actual educational materials would go so much further to celebrating what the teachers are actually accomplishing in the classroom. This is disturbing. I'm parents can be as involved and I worked in education for several years. Parents can be as involved in their children's education as they like. You can be a very active parent. You can have regular communication with the teacher. You don't need to be bird's eye viewing the classroom to be an involved parent. This is just helicopter parenting and it's going to interfere with the education that these children are receiving. And what is it these parents are going to do if they're watching everyone else's kids in the classroom is maybe dude especially when she smiles. That's Ojama King. So I didn't know, I, I'm not too familiar with the, with the cartoon. I'm more uh, familiar with the cards. But apparently the cards are like, they play the card game in the cartoon. So whatever's on the card, there's probably a clip of it in the cartoon. So I just looked up Ojama King and this is what I found. So there you go, that's, uh, that's Ojama King. Uh, uh, that's what I think she looks like, and uh, it's uh, it's a hell of a thing right there. I think it's accurate. Be one who's having trouble or so, and maybe it's a friend, and you just have this new information that maybe you shouldn't have. You talked about teachers being used in this way, and how also maybe other like jobs that. don't, don't have this level of, of of surveillance on them for while they're doing their job. Um, you know, there's sweeps where principals come around and check out things, but you know what I didn't notice in this list of places where uh, privacy is uh, is assumed in schools. Uh, they said buses, classrooms, public areas. I didn't see anything about a principal's office, the mm. office itself, where adults are doing things that aren't in front of the children. I'm waiting for that part because there's been instances of people, even superintendents, bringing guns into schools and leaving them in a bathroom stall because he was so irresponsible with it. Where's the camera for that? Well, there there should be punishment for that. That was a, a dereliction of his duty. But the idea that oh, we got to get rid of all the security guards because of that—that's crazy. You know, he was trying to deny it. I can't remember the guy's name or what school that was at. But uh, as it comes to these folks that are doing irresponsible things, they're not being watched. Where's the safety and security there? Eat, it's not. Eat a dick, fucker. All right, now next one. Uh, Trump supporters recruited for ominous purge of the government. Now that sounds great. Sounds fantastic. Donald Trump is looking to be in the White House one more time, but this time he wants to have an entire group of government set up for him, by him, and only bow to him. It sounds pretty normal for him. Because dozens of right-wing groups are being led by the Heritage Foundation to do just that for him. And they're fueled by his administration and their goals to take over the country and have this dictatorial White House that he's looking to dream of. So let's go to details from the Associated Press. It was a nearly 1,000 page document called Project 2025. It's a handbook and they say that an army of Americans is the idea behind to have the civic infrastructure in place to take on day one in the White House. They look to reshape and do away with what Republicans deride as the deep state bureaucracy. Think of deep state as we go through some of the details of this. In part by firing as many as 50,000 federal workers. Project 2025's nearly 1,000 page policy blueprint called Mandate for Leadership serves as a step-by-step guide for the incoming president, hoping that it's Trump, from proposing a comprehensive transformation of the Department of Justice to ending the FBI's efforts to combat the dissemination of misinformation. They want to stop the FBI from uh, from blocking misinformation. Well, that's not a real thing. The FBI blocks truthful information that they don't like, and they label it misinformation. Only people that are spreading misinformation would want to do that. Uh, again, asshole, the way you define misinformation is actual truthful information that you don't like. 
Still though, it even includes plans to intensify the prosecution of individuals involved in providing or distributing abortion pills by mail. Let's just toss that in there as well too, why not? Uh, so <clears throat> Uh, as Trump is doing this, he's he's zeroing in on a key target of retribution, government workers. That's the 50,000 he's looking to oust and replace with his own people. Again, helped out by the Heritage Foundation. He released a list of proposals to take down what many conservatives believe is a secret cabal of government workers who wield enormous power and work against Republicans. At the top of Trump's list is reinstating, uh, reinstituting an executive order known as Schedule F. It would reclassify tens of thousands of federal employees involved in policy decisions as at will employees. It makes it much easier for Trump to just fire folks the same way that Elon Musk fired people randomly at Twitter, now X, and then starts destroying things and suiting it to just serve himself. It's a blueprint, so he's gonna go with it as well too. There's some Trump era conservatives that wanna gut this administrative state. This sounds like he's trying to implement a deep state. While he's talking about getting rid of a deep state. They've been talking about deep state since he first went down that stupid escalator and said he's gonna run for president of the United States. And then said, we're going after the deep state. Now they're going after the deep state, but they wanna implement their own. Odd how that works, but they'll tell you they're, they're doing the opposite of exactly what they're doing and enough idiots will listen to it. But by, by ousting these federal employees, they believe they're standing in the way of the president's agenda and they replace them with like-minded individuals that'll do his bidding, a whole bunch of minions. What's your thoughts here, Ray? I think that as someone who's like somewhat familiar with the administrative state that this is absolutely hilarious to read about. The idea that there's just 50,000 highly partisan government employees who are- well, They're know, not saying it's 50,000. No, trying to, 50,000 people yeah, who are- I don't think they're arguing 50,000. Coordinated in their attempts to block Trump. Most of these are just regular people who have jobs and just because they work for the government. And these are not particularly high level positions they're talking about. These are just people that work for the government in a in a largely non-political capacity bullshit implementing you know certain policies and at the end of the leftist policies the day the president does have the right to enact their agenda they don't have to fire 50 so it's not illegal but you're acting like it is 50,000 employees in order to do that um but i mean it's it, the idea that this is fighting against the deep state by simply implementing the new deep state. I mean, it's laughable on its face. And, you know, I think that it, it this comes from the idea. And I think we saw some parallels to this. I, I'll, I'll make a comparison to Elon Musk buying Twitter. Elon Musk bought Twitter and he really genuinely believed that it was, I don't know, I mean, that's what his, his position was. That he believed that it was being run by like liberals who were attempting to silence conservatives. 100% accurate. And when he got there, he didn't find that that was actually what was going on. Blatant lie, what are you talking about? So he had to sort of create a narrative around it, you know, with the Twitter files and, and you know, he had to hire the likes of, you know, uh, Barry and Matt Taibbi to sort yeah. of front this narrative, but they didn't have much evidence to be able to do that. So it was delusional lie. Really just grasping at straws. It's the same thing with the concept of the deep state. Trump took office and he didn't get rid of the deep state because it wasn't actually, it didn't exist in the- Oh yeah, deep state doesn't exist, guys. Form that he had been perpetuating along the campaign trail that he had been espousing to his followers. He got there and realized it's just not like that. So the idea that this would be anything other than, because in effect, you know, he's changing the, the, the ability to fire these people 
you know, giving it, making it a lot easier to fire them. But he's then instituting people who are, I mean, I guess he's rounding up 50,000 psychotic Trump supporters to put into these roles just to execute his agenda. And in effect, creating the very thing that he has supposedly been railing against, but just in terms more positively to suit him. <laughs> if you're a sucker that believes that there's this deep state that somehow just got implemented by Joe Biden a couple- No one is arguing that Joe Biden put it in there. You're an idiot. Well, years ago. I'm sorry. Who argued that? That's retarded. Sorry, during Trump's administration or maybe before Trump's administration, who knows? Because they just keep talking about the deep state exists and it works only for Democrats. Because these are career folks who work in the government because they have a standard of way things go. If you ever watch closely, if you're a crazy person like me and has watched closely, maybe Senate hearings, House proceedings on the floor. And there's someone that always has the gavel, it changes hands. And the person there, every time they do any kind of motion, anytime they say anything on the mic, from one person speaking across the room to another, there's someone that whispers in the ear. Have you guys noticed that before? There's always someone who creeps up halfway into view and whispers something of what they should say. Yeah, and they're aides. This elected official who's supposed to know everything then recites it because they don't really know what they're doing. There's people that work in the government that know everything they're doing, how procedures work. And they tell our elected officials who are actually elected just to run for their same office yet again, or maybe the next one, that's their job. That's why all they do is raise money. There's people who actually know how our government works and they have to tell them and recite to them step by step like a kindergartner. Now say this, John, now say this, Nancy, now say this, Michael. That's the way that this whole thing is. And maybe these people are needed. I, the stupidity has me almost without words. Um, what you just described, first of all, a lot of the times it's their aides, okay? So that's not really the deep state. But if you wanted to take the angle that that's part of it, fine. But then you're arguing it's a good thing, but it doesn't exist. Oh, it's amazing. That's amazing. Maybe outside chance until someone like an authoritarian figure like Donald Trump comes along and says, no, no, let's just do things my way. And I need a bunch of sycophants that tell, that tell me I can do it. That's how he's gotten this far anyway. Um, so because of some of the hurdles that he did have during that administration, when it comes to people within his administration, within the government, folks that he thought were on his side because they had an R next to their name, they blocked some of those things. They were like, this isn't normal process. He wants that to end as well too. He's just setting it up. So if Joe Biden has 50,000 unelected deep staters in his in government. Why is it okay for Donald Trump to have it? Supporters of Trump, ask yourself that question if you think that's American or not, or if you just don't like this country. So it's okay when you do it. It's okay when Biden does it. You can say that too because it's pretty obvious. I don't give a fuck what you think of it. A far right mega church exposed for terrifying public school. Oh man, I gotta watch out. Calvary Chapel in Chino Hills. It's a mega church out there and they've found their way to uh, to stick their foot and get a stranglehold over some of the school boards here. Okay, good, what did they do? Is it a based church? What's going on here? And now you can understand what they're probably implementing. God into all these schools. One major, play, one major player in this whole thing, her name is Sonia Shaw. She was elected to the Chino Valley Unified School District Board of Education last November. And it was assisted by that mega church Christian pastor Jack Hibbs, who really wants, is really interested in getting his ideas to your children, as we're talking about 
how people are brainwashing children in school. California AG Rob Bonta announced a civil rights probe into Shaw's, Sonia Shaw's gender disclosure policy. I mentioned this over on the watch list before. This gender disclosure policy being if teachers and staff at schools notice or are told that there's a child that's identifying as anything other than what's on their birth certificate, then they have the obligation to go and tell these folks' parents. Yeah, very reasonable. And they go, parents know best. Yes, predator, parents know best. Maybe most times they do, but there's this whole thing with foster kids, kids in foster care, there's folks that get taken from parents a lot. See, so the predators make the argument that because maybe one kid might be negatively affected by this, then we should be able to um, basically allow teachers to keep secrets from parents. It's insane. Not always the case, but still, this is what they're looking to then do. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. Only predators would have a problem with, with this policy. And uh, the, uh, the AG Rob Bonta then came forward and was talking against that policy here. So it's a choice. Now, this guy's very pro-pedophile, of course. It's a choice to be hateful, a choice to dis- uh, No, it isn't, faggot. It's not hateful to um, have a policy to make sure predator teachers can't keep secrets away from parents. That's a normal policy, uh, and you are absolutely exposing yourself. Discriminate, a choice to hurt children. To trample on their rights. They have chosen that. Uh, bullshit. And we are here to prevent them from implementing that choice. He wants to make sure as many predators as possible can destroy as many children as, as possible. He's coming after you, Sonia. That's what that's all about. He is looking and coming after you and your school district. Absolutely, and guess what? We're gonna stand in the gap because he is hateful. He's part of the political cartel of Bonta, Newsom, and Thurman, um, and they have attacked parental rights. They've made a stand, and right now, I'm gonna tell you right now, Chino Valley is not going to give up. Good, based MILF smash, very good. I think to determine mm -hmm. that parents are hateful is as extreme as he called us extremists once before, and we are going to make sure that we do everything we can to protect all children. Is he going to be there with those hateful mm -hmm. parents when um, you know these hateful parents are going to abuse their kids? No, a policy like ours, in fact, would make sure that those hateful parents do not have charge of their children anymore if they are. Which hateful parents is she talking about? The ones that actually abuse their kids. Hateful parents that kick their kids out when they find out that they're gay, trans, bi, any of those things. Are those the hateful parents? Because those are the hateful parents that are in these school board meetings that are promoting people like her. That's a total lie. That is a total made up lie. To say that hateful parents are the ones who accept their children. That, but That's not what she's saying. No, instead it's the hateful parents that accept their children. Upside down world that we're living in. Again, you made that up. Obviously, because once she's called hateful based off of these policies and these pushes that she's doing, then you just have to use the same word and say, no, it's you. Doesn't have to make any sense as long as you say it. This is what she's been up to that's absolutely not hateful at all. This summer, Shaw's school board meetings about 35 miles east of LA came chaotic spectacles. One that attracted the Proud Boys, not hateful at all. No, no, Proud Boys. Those Again, it's likely people they just labeled Proud Boys. I don't care one way or the other. Those are good guys and other right-wing extremists. And what they mean by right-wing extremists is people who are opposed to pedophilia. And pitted them against students and parents, protesting what they called anti-LGBTQ practices that endanger children. When California Superintendent of Schools Tony Thurman appeared at the July meeting in opposition to these things they're trying to push, Shaw unceremoniously silenced him. There was a big battle with that, and there was different stories about what it is that they said Thurman was doing there. 
talking over time and battling back and forth. They eventually did. Commies hate following the rules. Of course, kick him out of there, and he was talking about it. Good. They escorted the commie out. That's fantastic. His experiences as well, and the hateful thing just keeps getting pushed somehow. But again, in the middle of that graphic, they talked about students and parents pitted them against students and parents. I thought she said every parent is right. Well, what about the parents that accept their children? Are they wrong? Or she only Again, that's not, first of all, a, a lot of that was Antifa. Uh, so I don't think there were a ton of parents. There's not many parents that support the mutilation and grooming of their children, fortunately. See one side of So they gotta get Antifa and other pro-pedophile people to, to argue on their behalf. Parents and their rights with their children. Anyways, uh, she's not the only one that's, that's been influenced though, because as I mentioned, this mega church is one that's leaning on these school boards having to do these things. Again, Jack Hibbs, church, Calvary Chapel of Chino Hills is what they're pushing. At the Sacramento rally, Jack Hibbs boasted of his congregation's work in electing Shaw, who you saw in that clip, calling her a true modern day Deborah. Hibbs said that the soccer mom heeded the call to run for the school board and that when churches get involved and get informed, people vote. God, uh, uh, God, Hibbs said, installed Shaw into her position. I'm still not sure how God did it, but uh, it was Jack Hibbs, and somehow he thinks he's God. Anybody? That's not what he said. It's their religious beliefs, retard. Who actually believes in God and believes in what is they teach you in these churches? You shouldn't think that Jack Hibbs is God. That's black. It's not what they said. That it's not even what they believe. You're just fucking stupid. Blasphemy. Still, Calvary Chapel has boasted on social media of collecting tens of thousands of ballots for state and local candidates endorsed by Hibbs. Good. The church's ballot collection, a practice it's engaged in for years, is conducted with the help of Hibbs' political organization, Real Impact. Does that sound good? We need more of this. This is fantastic. Like parents to you? Or does it sound like Jack Hibbs' organization, Real Impact? Because what they're looking for is whatever. They're against fucking pedophiles, so that's fine with me. Impact. More though, because Hibbs has emboldened his supporters to fight progressive education bills and prop up Christian candidates. Um, last I okay. Sounds good. Checked some progressives are parents. Are they right? Still though, in his sermons, he's tearfully prayed on stage for Donald Trump to win the 2020 election. I guess God didn't answer those questions, uh, those prayers. He said that COVID-19 vaccinations would lead people into accepting the mark of the beast. And yeah, I can't blame religious people for thinking that because of the vaccine passports. That was very close to, to the mark of the beast. Uh, I mean, I, I don't think it's an actual thing personally, but like, I can't blame people for thinking that because it's pretty much, you know, you couldn't do anything if you didn't have the vaccine passport. Called transgenderism, a sexually perverted cult. 100% true. And an anti-God, an uh, anti-Christ plan of none other than Satan himself. All right, I'll take it, I'll take it. <sighs> One last part here because uh, uh, Shaw also claimed that neither she, I'm sorry, Shaw claimed that neither she nor the school board follow Hibbs's orders. They just think alike, I guess. Because she said, absolutely not. Not one has a direct line to Pastor Jack Hibbs. Pastor Jack has never said, hey guys, I want you to bring this policy forward. Never ever did he do any of that, is what she told the Daily Beast when they reported on this. She also added that she couldn't speak on Hibbs's involvement with the Board of Education prior to her election. Maybe because she wasn't there, maybe she doesn't want to talk about his, uh, his affiliation with it. And also how these types of things have been happening in these areas with these same folks. There was another article about this from 2015, they're just re-upping it again it's wash and repeat david and the thing is i mean look 
I guess parents are your parents are entitled to raise their kids however they see fit. Oh, I guess look at it. I guess parents are entitled to raise their kids as they see fit. These people are sick. And in, in our day and age, and I have my judgments about what parents are saying to their kids and what the mega churches are doing. If a mega church really and a pastor really wants kids raised in a certain way, don't send them to public school. Create your own school. Send your you know send them to your own private church school, and there you can do whatever the hell you want. But no, I think they're going to take over the public schools, and you can go fuck yourself. That's what I want to see happen. When it comes to public schools, there are certain expectations. That no, no, you lost your chance. Now new people are taking over, and we'll see what they do. I think communities have and should have, and this pastor is far and away exceeding any sort of bounds of decency. No, he's not. That's made up. Bounds of decency. You're a, a, a pedophile adjacent. What do you know about decency? What are you kidding me? The kid's job in school is to go and learn math and arithmetic and language arts it's not yeah, and the commie teachers aren't teaching that shit they're teaching dilation and 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 gender transition so obviously you need a new breed of people coming in there because that's crazy be indoctrinated into these crazy you know mega church beliefs where they teach hatred they don't teach hatred at all the kids in terms of transgender stuff that's ridiculous kids have a hard enough time they are teaching them the truth about transgenderism. As it is in school and paying attention to learning the lessons, why are we injecting this sort of hatred? It just, it it's not hatred. boggles my mind. And you know, Gio, I was just talking with somebody yesterday here in Connecticut, which is as blue and democratic a state as you'll get, a couple towns over there, my friend was telling me that there's a school board person now who is part of one of these, you know, MAGA, mega. Oh, good, even in Connecticut, great to hear. Evangelical churches who is being so disruptive and so despicable in terms of what the agenda that they're trying to get across. And again, this is Connecticut. I mean, awesome. some of the schools are the you know, best in the country, and there's but there are some challenges. But the challenge in Connecticut is not that there's Satan who's occupying you know, the transgenders, but that's the issue. And this is happening in school board and school district across the country, and it's, it's a huge problem. And I just think, you know what, if that's your view about education, Send your kids to your own private school. Now they're going to take over the public school. You had your chance. Now you, you go. You get escorted out now. Our school's alone. It's weird because I, I randomly, before I saw this story yesterday, um, there was another, uh, I saw a random clip, it was somewhere on X or Twitter, um, where there was a woman talking about her plan to implement more Christian teachings within public schools. Good. And the whole idea she was saying, and this is why, she was saying, um, there's only one day a week that kids can maybe come to church and be indoctrinated. She didn't use the term indoctrination. Can come to church and then we tell them what to believe. Then in doing that, she goes, that's not enough because they go to school five days a week and how much do they get enough of Christian education? So she's trying to implement a point in the middle of the day where kids can then go and get their Christian education in the middle of their public school education because- Well, if you don't like it, go to a different school. Because we need more folks that are believing the uh, the same belief systems that we believe in. Yo, if you're having a problem continuing to retain the new generation for your belief systems, maybe do it for your family. And if that continues to thrive for you, great. And if it doesn't work for any other people's families, why are you in their business? But they call everyone else indoctrinators and groomers. And they will openly say we need to start implementing Christian education within our public school. Last I heard, right up the street from my house, there's a Christian. Uh, oh man, it's just everywhere they go. This is fantastic. There's a church that doubles as a school. There's another place that's a Christian academy and they're all over the place. Yes. Send them there. And no, no, no. You can go somewhere else. Fuck you, bitch. You can't afford it. Complain to them.
Well, and they might have more success if they were actually practicing the teachings of Christ and Christianity. Yeah. In other words, helping the poor, acceptance, being kind to people. You know, Jesus, uh, you know, was with was 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 with prostitutes and whores. I mean, if if there was an acceptance that of real Christianity and actually accepting all kinds of different people and helping the poor and helping the less fortunate in society, then maybe Christian schools wouldn't get such a bad rap. But it's fake Christianity that these mega churches are practicing. And it's just pure hatred, and they're so confused. Just keep it's it. all they argue. It's hatred to your own school. And if you, it is righteous and healthy to hate commies. Really want to go from the teachings of the Bible that's that's uh, principled and everything. You should not like any politician. They've all done dirty things. That everything that you say you're principled on, that you believe in your in your belief systems, do not own up to Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, uh, 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 Mike Pence, uh, or Donald Trump. Any of them. Any of them, because they're in politics, they're in this world. So if you really want to live your Jesus life, you got to get away from all this stuff because you. Yeah, I don't think they're going to take advice from you. Can't fully support any of them with a good moral mind. Stuff we commit across the world that Jesus would be very upset about, bro. Yeah, no one cares what you think. Okay, Trump uh, nomination could destroy Republicans in 2024. It's David Pakman, I think. There's oh, a really yeah. interesting piece by Tom LoBianco in the messenger and it's called some republicans worry that a trump nomination could bring steep down ballot losses for the republican party the article explains and also we could talk about even more broadly than just this article that republican insiders are worried republican insiders are very worried that the potential repercussions of a trump nomination on down ballot races could be disastrous. Trump is magnetic in the sense that he still commands the cult-like support of part of the Republican Party, but there is a part of the base that doesn't like the guy. There's a part of the base that thinks he's uh, damaging to the party. And there is more and more anxiety among that group of people that if Trump is the nominee, even if he wins or loses, regardless of whether he wins or loses, just being the nominee could be disaster for down-ballot Republicans. Here's why it would work out that way. It's partially math and partially sort of, I don't know, common sense. You have a divided Republican Party. Trump's following is loud. It's vocal. They don't want anybody else. No question about it. But Donald Trump also has polarized the Republican Party. And there are portions of the Republican Party, about 45% by recent polling, that don't want Trump. And if Trump is indeed the nominee, that polarization will likely only be accentuated. It will increase intra-party politics. It will prevent a lack of, it will prevent unified support. It will lead to a lack of unified support, better said. And if you look at the math, most polls, Trump polling 55%, everybody else together polling 45%. That sounds like it would be enough for Trump to get the nomination, but it would leave 45% of the party saying, I didn't want this guy. And some portion of that 45% might say, you know what? I voted for Nikki Haley. It's Trump. I don't like the guy, but I'm going to stay home. I'm not only not going to go out and vote for the presidential election, I'm not going to vote at all. And if you look at just a few critical Senate races, House races, when the margins are expected to be razor thin, that's all it could take 
to give control of the House back to Democrats and to allow Democrats to grow their margins uh, in the Senate altogether. The moderates are particularly at risk in this situation. So the other effect of this would be that it could further radicalize the Republican Party. If you look historically at the tight races in swing states, and it makes sense that it would be moderates. In the very People are pointing out, I think you're right, this is a fake background. Uh, this is not the Martha Vineyard thing. This is, uh, this is a green screen. Interesting. I do think when he was uh, streaming from Martha's Vineyard, that was real. But uh, this is some fake shit right here. Very red states, you tend to have more extreme Republican candidates. They are going to win by large margins. So the disaffected anti-Trump voters staying home in the red states, the super red states, is not likely to have an impact in the same way. If you look at swing states, where maybe a Republican would be the senator, but maybe a Democrat would be the senator. If you look at those states and you look at the thin margins, just a few percent of the Republican electorate saying, I'm angry that they did the Trump thing again, I'm staying home, that could swing some races in the direction of Democrats. And that could be a true disaster for the Republican Party. We need only look at 2018, 2020, and 2022 to know that this is possible. Uh, 2018 did not go well for Donald Trump in terms of the midterms, uh, Democrats doing very well. 2020 did not go well for Donald Trump in that he lost the presidency for the Republican Party. 2022 was the red wave that wasn't, which actually saw Democratic, uh, the Democrats in the Senate grow their majority, a red wave in which Democrats gain ground. So three disasters in a row, all directly linked to Donald Trump. What happens in 2024? The Republican Party is having problems in suburban areas. That can be attributed to the Trump backlash. They are struggling to find some kind of policy platform that is appealing. Anti-woke isn't working and abortion isn't working at all. So we are going to see. And then add to this, COVID killed more Trump supporters than Biden supporters. Bullshit. Um, other statistical realities are not going in the favor of Republicans. I know that this is said every year, every election, and three elections in a row, it's been true. This could be another disaster for the Republican Party. Uh, so this is, they're setting it up. So if Trump wins, they'll say that that's impossible. They must have cheated. However. And then saying that an election, uh, that you cheated an election will be totally acceptable. And there will not be any YouTube terms of service about it. I will remind everybody we are all still going to vote. I know that I had to do this in 2020. Even if we see the polling and we say, hey, it looks good for Biden, it just, it looks fine. We don't stay home. Even if it looks like there will be a Republican backlash to Donald Trump and many Republicans will stay home. We don't stay home. It's too risky. It's too dangerous. There is just too much riding on it. I love that we shit. Dude, you can speak for yourself. Other people are gonna decide what they wanna do. Are blue states better than red states? We have a voicemail number. That number is 2192DavidP. Here's an interesting voicemail. It's a very simple question. Oh, I should put on my headphones so I can listen to it as well. It's a very simple question with a complicated answer. You really think blue states are better than red states? I don't know. There it is. Do I really think blue states are better than red states? You know, the question is in what way? If 
to, to really be able to answer these questions, we have to define what we mean by better. Do I mean, if you want to talk about economic sustainability, we know that on average, blue states pay into the federal government way more than they get out. And the red states are, are sort of like the welfare recipients of the states. They get more out than they pay in. So in terms of economic viability, certainly blue states are stronger. When it comes to innovation, and we look at, well, which are the states that are generating the most patents per capita or Nobel prizes per capita? Certainly it is the blue states. So in that category, by that evaluation, we would say blue states do better. If you want to rank states by education, on average, blue states have better education, better educational outcomes, more people going to college, better achievement on test scores, et cetera. If you want to talk about access to and quality of healthcare, on average, yes, blue states do better. So if you look, look at average salaries, higher in blue states, higher cost of living, certainly, but higher salaries, are there metrics that red states might do better on on average, sure, I don't know what they are, but maybe there's metrics like, I, I don't even know, uh, uh, miles of uh, undeveloped land per capita. You know, you look at places with super low population density like Wyoming and the Dakotas and Montana, not, uh, certainly nominally red states, although they occasionally elect Democrats. Yeah, I mean, I think that you have more undeveloped land per person. So if your dream, if what makes a state better for you is that, uh, then you could find those metrics. But the truth is that by the standard metrics, and if you want like a catch-all metric, you can look at HDI, Human Development Index, by state. You see that blue states are much closer to the upper end of the spectrum in the Human Development Index, and red states on average are lower. So are blue states better than red states? Depends what makes a state better to you. But by many of the metrics we've talked about time and time again, blue states are certainly stronger and more stable. Oh, we sure. have a great bonus show. I'm sure they are. What would we do without blue states? Um, so he's claiming that he sold thousands of books. We'll see. Let's have a look at the number. Let's go to Rusty in Arizona. Rusty in Arizona, welcome to the David Pakman Show. Thank you, by the way, Rusty, for being a website member as well. I appreciate that. You, sir, are very welcome. Hey, man, David Pakman, how the heck are you? How's the baby doing? Everybody's good. Thank you. That's fantastic. So I have a question about, uh, about your, your writing career, actually. Please. Now, I have actually was taught to critically think in seventh grade, so I think the, the book may be wasted on me, but I can't <laughs> wait for the whole so I can buy several copies and leave them in Republican mailboxes. For people Love, that it. I know. Love it. I'm sure that's going to be effective. But as a, as a member of your Discord, there is something that's come up that may be another avenue for you to uh, publish another book. Have you ever thought about penning something related to, for lack of a better way to say it, personal finance for idiots, maybe aimed at the, I don't know, the upperclassmen at high school? Because the average person is getting out of high school not knowing anything about how money works. Yeah. And that's how they can kind of get... I see it as a part of how they get preyed on with high-interest student credit cards. You are out, absolutely oh, correct. have no idea how they're actually going to pay back. Yeah. So, not to mention, probably be a good market for you to get your name... Get, 
you got another book out there, but it could possibly also do a lot of good as well. Here's so, the thing. something I wanted to throw out there for you. So here's the deal, Rusty. You're absolutely yeah. correct. People are graduating high school with no basic personal finance knowledge. Uh, creating some sort of book, targeting that is a great idea, et cetera, et cetera. Here's the thing. One of the things I've learned is when I spread myself too thin, everybody loses. And so right... Especially the bathhouse members. Now we had this first children's book. They really like David. We, by the way... We got beyond 11,780 copies. That's the number of votes Trump wanted in Georgia. We That's have now, one more than he needed to win Georgia. It's incredible. It's one David. more. Yeah, it's unbelievable. So we have the second children's book that's going to be coming out in the next couple of months. And then I am starting to work on like an adult political book. I would love to write a personal finance book. But to be totally honest, I think I would be spreading myself too thin. The marketing of that versus the marketing of the books I'm writing would be very different. It's just I, can, mm -hmm. I can't do everything. You know, I have to in, in my youth, I thought maybe I can do everything. I can't do everything. And so I have to f narrow the focus a little bit. But someone should write that book. And here's the thing. There are dozens of books that would be good on that topic. Yeah, but I like you. Fair. Well, that's because you're homosexual. Um, Thursday, the 14th of September, we'll be releasing the book, What a Bigot Would Say, from the Soft Gentleman. That's a reminder. Free to the audience. Then we'll try to get it on Amazon at some point. Next one here. I've talked to you about how some of the arguments made in the media, in the court of public opinion by Trump and his lawyers, aren't good legal arguments. And they will be thrown out in court if they try to make them. This is already happening, and this is so damn funny. Prosecutor Letitia James from New York is, I think it's pronounced Letitia. is now demanding that Trump and his sons and his lawyers, their lawyers, be fined $10,000 each for repeatedly making losing arguments in her fraud case. Now, I want to remind you, this is not the... There are multiple cases going on. This is just one of them. And one of the things that is going on is that in court, Trump's lawyers, on the behalf of Trump and his sons, are making bogus arguments. These, these are non-legal arguments. This is the $250 million business fraud lawsuit. This is not the criminal trial. I know at this point it's hard to keep these straight. Over the last year, Letitia James is saying, most recently last week, lawyers for Trump have raised bogus arguments in fighting the case. This case is scheduled to start on October 2nd. One of the arguments that Trump's lawyers are making in court is this entire thing is a politically motivated witch hunt. As I told you before, that is not an argument that is going to fly if they try to make it in court. Another argument that Trump's lawyers have been making on their behalf is that Letitia James has no legal standing or capacity to sue him because his business frauds didn't actually harm the public, arguing that the entire thing is fr frivolous. And again, Letitia James is saying that is a bogus legal argument and is demanding that Trump and his sons be fined. Another I bet you they do this with the other cases, too. They're going to reject everything they say and then try to sanction them. They, I think they did that. They tried to do that with the cases in Arizona with Carrie Lake. Her argument that Trump made in public is, listen, we put little, this, this relates to Trump's valuing assets dramatically differently, depending on whether he's trying to collateralize a loan or reduce his property tax liability. 
When it's for property taxes, Trump would say, oh, this building's not worth very much at all. You should lower our property taxes. When it's, hey, I want a loan, here's a beautiful building for collateral, Trump would say the building is worth way more. This is one of the I issues uh, with this fraud case. The other aspect to this is that Trump says, hey, we had a little disclaimer on all of these valuations that said the banks should really do their own due diligence and not rely on what we're telling them, which is not a legal defense to the allegations that are being made in the lawsuit. So this is a theme. And what I love about this is that something that a number of legal experts predicted was that if Donald Trump tries to go to court, particularly in the criminal trials, with some of the arguments that he's been making in the media, courts are not going to look at this kindly. And I'll give you some other examples. When it comes to the classified documents case, Trump in the media and some of Trump's defenders in the media have said, this isn't even a criminal issue. This is all governed by the Presidential Records Act. That is not a valid legal argument. And in fact, the Presidential Records Act stops governing Trump's actions and his uh, ability to hold, declassify, or whatever documents once he's no longer president. And yeah, no one's arguing otherwise. All of this was related to when he was president. Much of what Trump is charged with in that classified documents case are actions he allegedly undertook after he was president. Yeah, but the documents that are at issue are the ones that he took while president. Nice try. That's a nice try. If you go to court... So you're, you're not allowed to make the uh, correct argument that proves your case, uh, is what they're saying. And then you're going to be fined if you do. That's commies. And they say, here are the criminal charges against you. Do you have a defense? And you go, this is all governed by the Presidential Records Act. It is not a valid defense. It will not work. Another example that has been used in media that is not going to work as a legal argument is, listen, I won the election. They stole it and now they're prosecuting me because I believed I won the election and I said so. And of course, if you go to court and they say, mount your defense, sir, and you go, well, uh, they, they, they stole it, and now they're going after me because of what I said, and that's my First Amendment right. Judges and prosecutors would say, that's not in the indictment. Right, so what they're gonna do is they're not gonna allow Trump uh, or his uh, lawyers to make any arguments to the jury or the judge they're not going to allow that um and, and i think that's kind of similar with the alex jones case he got completely railroaded they wouldn't let him submit evidence and then said you're not you're not handing over discovery um i i think you're going to see that here because you aren't being charged for what you said you're being charged for what you did saying you're prosecuting me for my opinion is not a valid legal argument this is very reassuring that we are immediately seeing attempts to go after Trump and his lawyers for making bogus legal arguments in this lawsuit because it suggests that indeed if he tries it in his criminal trials, it is going to get, you could say, laughed out of court, uh, but it's probably not going to, going to come with a smile behind it. It's probably going to come with sanctions of some kind. Yes, yeah, they love sanctions. How the right wing broke America. Oh, it's the right wing's fault that things are going badly? Amazing. How did the American right wing destroy the United States of America? There is not one answer. And I've talked about parts of this before. If you go back to my interview with Noam Chomsky, we actually discuss a bunch of this story. But there are some additional layers I want to add. We have a lot of new viewers who haven't 
heard me talk about this before, and particularly because next we're going to talk about Project 2025 and Agenda 47, much requested by dozens of you. I finally had time to look at it, and we're going to discuss it. In order to set us up to discuss Project 2025, we have to talk about how we got to where we are. And by how we got to where we are, what I'm talking about is a level of extremism, pride in ignorance, reactionary authoritarian populism. Now this looks like a plant, that this plant's moving. This looks like a, a plant is moving here. And yes, MAGA Trump. But in the last video, there was no movement of any kind in the background. Trumpism is certainly a part of that. See, the plant's definitely moving. Just arise out of nowhere, and this is the important sort of trajectory. Why would you use a green screen and then use a real background the next time? ...to understand. So the story I've told you before includes probably a starting point around the civil rights era. Now, we That's could even so go back before this, but, you know, when they talk, when the right talks about going back to the way things used to be, Generally speaking, they're talking about the early to mid-1950s before the start of the civil rights era in 58-59. The first step in all of this, and how are we going to get to Trump from this? Well, we will. The first step in all of this was the rise of the civil rights era in the late 50s into the early to mid-60s and the Civil Rights Act of 1964, starting to generate this idea that the non-white population is getting better treatment. Now, that's not new. That they're nah, impossible, impossible. They're using it now, but that is not new, and that goes all the way back to the civil rights era. That and uh, antipathy about so-called welfare queens. Oh, so-called welfare queens. And lazy immigrants just oh, hand handing out, living yeah. off of the government. Doors. Nah, nah, just not happening at all. Oh got us to Reagan. Reagan mm. used many of those stories in campaigning. The welfare queen with the Cadillac who was popping out kids to get rich. That story, that woman, by the way, didn't exist, not specifically. No, no one's doing that. Anyway, those civil rights antipathies led to Reagan and Reagan's rise and a significant sort of stupidization of the American right wing. That right, they're stupid for noticing what Democrats are doing to the country with their policy. How dare you? That eventually got us to Bill Clinton's defeat of George H.W. Bush in 1992, and this brought out yet another rise. How is this Southern white governor, Bill Clinton, going to do us so wrong? Even though, in retrospect, many of the things that Bill Clinton did were certainly relatively moderate by modern standards, certainly no progressive by 2023 standards. The reaction to Clinton in 92 led to a major victory for Republicans in the House of Representatives in 1994, and Newt Gingrich, sort of the first Bush, sort of modern style right-wing Republican, really coming to power, Newt Gingrich became Speaker of the House, and at that point, we saw a true, you know, they love to talk about the weaponization of government against people you disagree with. Newt Gingrich's 1994 House of Representatives is probably the first really good example of a Republican Party or any major party, happened to be a Republican Party, determined, determined 
to weaponize every tool they have against someone they don't like. In that particular case, it was Bill Clinton. This led to investigations into Bill Clinton, uh, uh, digging into Bill Clinton's personal life even more than we saw during the 1992 campaign, and on and on and on. A sort of Clinton derangement syndrome. Then we get to George W. Bush. George W. Bush was notable in this entire sort of breaking of the American culture by the right wing. Because George W. Bush was the first time in the modern political era, I'm trying to be careful and precise with, with my words, George W. Bush was the, hey, you don't like to read, you don't like to think, don't worry about it. These left-wingers are crazy, college is indoctrination, come with me, I'm sort of dim and you might be sort of dim on purpose and we're all gonna be great and dim together because anything else is just far left stuff. And so that opened the door to then seeing Sarah Palin as the really doofy running mate of John McCain in 2008. So the Republican Party continued to move in this direction of thinking is bad, um, being articulate and nuanced and thoughtful, intellectual, God forbid, that's all bad. Now it didn't work for them. Sarah Palin was a disastrous vice presidential running mate for John McCain, Barack Obama won. And this now unleashed the next level, which was wild and crazy unabashed racism. Obama becoming president didn't create racism, but it started to go in the oh direction of, God. hey, the president is now black, half black, but remember, societally seen as black. And so now we've really got to do something about this problem. The dim-witted nature of the George W. Bush follower was then weaponized and targeted uh, by Barack Obama being a black This is a delusional fever dream. Black man in society. All of that then got us to a situation where Trump who was going to welcome and embrace this sort of extremist xenophobic thinking and saying, hey, you can say this stuff out in public. We've been silenced for too long. That's how all of that path ultimately got us to Trump. And so to understand Trump, you do have to go all the way back to the civil rights era of the late 1950s. Now, I've told that story before. Oh, you told that uh, a line of bullshit before, have you? Okay. But that's not all there is to it. Oh, I can't wait for the rest of it. We have to add layers that overlap layers of bullshit lap with the political changes that I just discussed. And this is, this is of critical importance to understand, particularly as we think about 2024, 2025. The judiciary becoming more and more extreme and the Supreme Court Which is totally made up court becoming a tool of the right, ceding power to corporations bullshit. and pushing right wing social agenda culminating in the elimination or rollback of Roe v. Wade recently. That is another arc, another layer we have to place on top of this stupidization of the United States of America. Right, because only stupid people uh, think that uh, killing babies is a problem. Campaign finance can't be ignored. Super PACs and dark money and uh, effectively unlimited spending on campaigns through those organizations. A boon for the right who has billionaires cynically supporting whoever will ultimately just be better for their personal financial interests. The, per, the, the, the campaign finance layer has to be added on top of it. To some degree, we have to say also an economy based on preferring cheap stuff from China and off, offshoring supply chains 
to paying more for things manufactured domestically. That's another layer to this that we have to include, where now Trump and others say, oh, we're going to bring manufacturing back. Well, are you? Because as a country, we've made decision after decision that says we prefer the cheap stuff from China, uh, but keep the wages lower here in the United States. And then you have, of course, the cultural stuff. The cultural stuff includes gun culture in the United States, seeing much of the rest of the world as sissies or people that, whose opinions we don't care about, an American culture that is far less social than cultures in, at minimum, Europe and Latin America, if not other parts of the world, an isolation that happens at the individual level because of how we live, and then dump onto that the massive dump of social media becoming ubiquitous in the early 2010s, and then combine it with a failing education system that's not teaching crit critical thinking, that's leading to people who fall for obvious fake news and obvious conspiracy. Yeah, like your audience, like your entire audience. And propaganda. So that's like 20 different things. The point I want to make to you, number one, is that when it took this long and so many factors to get us into this mess in the first place, it's not realistic to think that we're going to get out of it quickly. And number two, it should remind us that when we look at Agenda 47 and Project 2025, we shouldn't write it off as an impossibility because look at how degraded things have become in the last four, 14, and 40 years. It can get much worse, and that's what we're going to talk about next. Okay, here is uh, Barely Attractive Emma is very upset uh, with Jimmy Dore. Last week, we had uh, Harold oh, Meyerson on Cedar. to uh, discuss this Semex ruling by the National Labor Relations Board. So much of what's going on in the labor uh, world is being stoked, if you will, and accelerated and enabled by rather unsexy changes that are taking place, place at the National Labor Relations Board. We've had two different uh, organizers of the successful union drive for Amazon out in Staten Island. Both said the ability for them to, to organize on Amazon grounds was a huge key to being able to get that union. We've heard this from almost every organizer that has come on that has had a successful union drive. That was a change that the National Labor Relations Board made two years ago. Maybe three, right when the when uh, uh, Biden got in, two years ago, I guess. And this Semex ruling is huge. It's going back to a doctrine that existed in 1948. All right, let's uh, get to that. Essentially, like certainly not written out terms on a. The reason why that is important is because you know there's there's a lot going on here. Um, it's a different generation, but they're in terms of like political force. A lot of that is a function of the of the work that Bernie Sanders has done. So you would think someone who associates themselves with supposedly unions uh, would appreciate that. Not but, teachers. Union. Well, why? So he because so he has to suck Bernie Sanders dick in all things. You can't criticize Bernie Sanders. Unions, though. Not features, but well, the teachers' unions are fucking terrible. No shades, like uh, aesthetically. If somebody can uh, super chat Jimmy's show and uh, ask him, does he know what Semex means? Well, you could just look at all the uh, all the. Um, and he'll, I promise you, after this, 
Hi, Jimmy. <laughs> he will do a video on Semex. He will do, he will cover it finally. But all the labor reporters he's supposedly reading, apparently, mm. haven't said anything about reading. it. Reading. Things I want, he's talked out of both sides of his mouth because that's what Bernie Sanders is a double talking bullshitter. Oh, just a note this is about Bernie uh, going, uh, according to Jimmy, full uh, Trump derangement syndrome, talking about like, you know, let's have Biden beat him, Trump. Oh, um, that very reason. So, this has nothing to do with what you just talked uh, about for four minutes. Yeah. In the bullet appearance where he said that he, we, the priority should be stopping fascism, um, yeah. and he loves and appreciates Cornell West, but we should get behind Biden. Like, look, I would prefer Bernie to hold. Hold his endorsement and then probably ultimately endorse Biden as the only choice uh, later just to get a news uh, thing out of it. But I think this, yeah, this is not my critique. Is never going to fight for you. He never did anything he said he was going to do, except say what he does is prop up Wall Street, the military industrial complex. He's a war pig and a liar. He's the worst type of person. He's 100% correct. Because I'll take Mitch McConnell over fucking Bernie Sanders any day because I can see Mitch McConnell coming. I can't see Bernie Sanders coming because he's a wolf in sheep's clothing. I'll take the wolf in wolf's clothing any day over a piece of shit like Bernie Sanders. Fantastic. Literally, he's such a back. Bernie Sanders is such an asshole. All right. So uh, let's be clear here. You know, a lot of people are complaining. A lot of like uh, Jimmy's, um, uh, you know, uh, right wing acolytes are complaining that this is being taken out of context. So I want to make it clear what he what he is saying is that he would take Mitch McConnell any day because Mitch McConnell is very clear with his agenda. Whereas he's saying that Bernie Sanders' agenda is hidden. So he would prefer Mitch McConnell. Now, of course, I believe this because he enabled Mitch McConnell uh, to appoint three justices on the Supreme Court. He enabled it. Jimmy Dore is responsible solely for Donald Trump. Thanks, Jimmy. Who have, in addition to getting rid of, the, for the first time in the history. So what you're arguing is Jimmy saved the country. Amazing. This country, uh, an individual right that's existed for 50 years. It's not a right. That, that's fucking bullshit. They will also ultimately come for the Chevron Doctrine, and they will destroy the ability of the administrative state to do anything. So, you know. That would be phenomenal. You can, you can vote for RFK, but if the EPA doesn't have the right to do anything, it doesn't matter who's running it. Yeah. But at the time when he made that case and uh, that he thought uh, Trump winning might be better for the progressive movement than Hillary winning because all the progressives would come together and fight against him. And then we'd and have a Warren Bernie Sanders. Oh, war, sorry, Warren, 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 Warren in 2020. Um, that prediction worked out well. He pretended to care at least about the rights that were being uh, that would be under threat uh, by the, the Supreme Court. It's like not really the focus of his You think the moon's going to fall on Lake Michigan? But the bottom line is, yes, is like, uh, Mitch, I, I can see what Mitch McConnell is doing. But the idea that Bernie Sanders is the same as Mitch McConnell, the only difference is that Bernie Sanders hides it, is... That's about right. Honestly, like... Such They're both lying, corrupt politicians. Such a warped perspective. That's accurate. From any perspective, frankly. It is so demented and warped. The real difference is, is that Jimmy didn't get rejected by Mitch McConnell to come on his show yeah. and Bernie Sanders didn't go on his show. And that's what it, yeah. that, that's what this is about. Oh, I'm sure that's what it's about. Honestly. So soused.
Yeah. It is no way. And I thought about. that the critique of Democrats started with it being about them enabling Republicans. And now it's just about how, oh, well, I, I like the wolf more no. than the wolf in sheep's, clo- sheep's clothing. I think he's only not done this because he knows that people like us will make fun of him for it. But he will be a lesser evil Republican voter, I think, before the election. Oh, I feel oh. like he said something. I would love to hear Jimmy Dore uh, is voting for Trump. That would be fantastic. He's, to that effect already. Exactly. He, but, he plays footsie with it. Definitely. But, but I mean... He will, he will, um, he will tout Cornell West, and uh, and look, I, I think this was before the Cornell West interview. I like Cornell West too, and I think there is value in. I particularly like it in primaries because um, you don't get the sort of um, the diminishment of being a spoiler, and I, I would like to see. You know, I, I think Cornell West. I would like to see a little bit more uh, him running on a specific issue more because I've got some very bad news for everybody who believes that Cornell West can win. He can't win. And it's not because we say that. The 100,000 people who will hear me say that Cornell West can't win is not what's inhibiting him yeah. from winning. I can, we could put Cornell West on this program every day <laughs> from now until the election and mm. it's not going to change his chances of winning. Yeah. Well, I mean, at least Jimmy's a little bit more consistent because Mitch McConnell's position on Medicare for all, you know, the number one issue Jimmy cares about, is a little bit closer to the candidate he backed in 2020, Tulsi Gabbard. Well, it's not the reason he backed Tulsi Gabbard because Tulsi Gabbard didn't uh, support Medicare for all. He voted for Tulsi because of uh, foreign policy. War. Things. Oh, how dare they be anti-war? What was Mitch McConnell's stance on the Iraq war? Right. The point is, Bernie Sanders lies. Hey, it's yeah. a wolf in wolf's clothing. <laughs> yeah, at least we know like where he's coming from. Wolf in yoga pants. Yeah. All right. Let's... He knows who he is. Uh... Wolf in yoga pants. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, apparently, they didn't like what Charlie Kirk said about the Constitution. Let's have a look here. Charlie Kirk on his show yesterday speaking about the uh, 14th Amendment and he's being critical of it. A reminder that the 14th Amendment was passed in the uh, wake of the Civil War. It is one of the uh, efforts at reconstruction, giving essentially uh, protections to to former slaves and um, allowing them to be at least nominally full citizens uh, under the law. And this is Charlie Kirk's take on the 14th Amendment. So here's what it says on the Atlantic. The Constitution prohibits Trump from ever being president again. By Michael Luttig and Lawrence Tribe. Now, Lawrence Tribe is a crazy person. But he's That's true. Lawrence Tribe is totally insane. He's actually well. Ledig is also insane, though. I'll respect it on the left, which is telling. Oh, Jonathan Turley wrote an, a very good takedown of Lawrence Tribe, and I think it was in the New York Post. And Turley, you know, he's kind. He's like a, you know, he's, he's not going to like call an asshole or anything. He just basically went down a list of all of the times that Lawrence Tribe has been completely wrong. And it was a very long article. It was very good. 
As students of the United States Constitution for many decades, one of a U.S. Court of Appeals judge, the other as a professor of constitutional law, and both as constitutional advocates, scholars, and practitioners, we long ago came to the conclusion that the 14th Amendment, the amendment ratified in 1868 that represents our nation's second founding, a new birth of freedom contains within a protection against the dissolution of the republic by a treasonous president. Okay, let's just slow down. The 14th Amendment was necessary for some things, 100%, but it's way too broadly written. It's, it's sloppily written in some ways. The moral premise of the 14th Amendment, excellent. Of course, obviously, no one's going to debate that. No one will. Abolishing slavery and respecting the dignity of all people. But they. Wow, what a racist. They float the 14th Amendment for everything. For removal of debts. Remember when they said, oh, the debt ceiling can be raised because of the 14th Amendment? Preventing Donald Trump from becoming president, birthright citizenship? The 14th Amendment is the catch all. The 14th Amendment has become kind of the modern Marxist revolutionary gateway to whatever they want to do. It doesn't always hold up in court, but it's way too broad. It's just too broad. Again, morally necessary with too many opaque provisions and vocabulary that is now harming us in 2023. They believe the 14th Amendment nullifies the rest of the Constitution. Well, I mean, it's not the 14th Amendment that's harming us. It's the commies abusing it and trying to use it for nefarious purposes. And as long as the government can be used to attack white... So you just keep the 14th Amendment and you remove the commies. That's all. ...people or now to attack insurrectionists. That's why language matters. So, um... Now he says at the end there that the 14th Amendment can be used to attack white people. It's just too broad. Like, look, I'm okay with the slavery thing ending, right? No one's going to argue that except, you know, some of the white supremacist websites like Stormfront and stuff. Uh, you might take a little bit of a closer look, scratch beneath the surface. Oh, look, barely attractive Emma's reading Stormfront. How racist it won't be too much of a scratch to get to that point it just went too far in certain instances because now they're coming after you and i'm not exactly sure what he's talking about there because this is apparently in reference obviously to the 14th amendment and the equal protection uh not the equal protection clause but some of the parts of the 14th amendment protecting the right for votes to be counted, for your vote to be heard and to, for it to be counted as a part of elections, which was needed for black people who were newly emancipated and had now at least on paper and it, not in practice in the end, especially when Reconstruction was scrapped. But um, the, the right to vote, that is what the 14th Amendment was there to help Solidify. It also banned those who engaged in insurrection, quote, end quote, against the United States from holding any civil, military, or elected office without the approval of two-thirds of the House and Senate. The amendment prohibited former Confederate states from repaying war debts and compensating former slave owners 
for the emancipation of their enslaved people, finally, which is based. <laughs> um, finally, it granted Congress power to enforce uh, this amendment, a provision that's the good government to power for the na national government to have, a provision that led to the passage of other landmark uh, legislation in the 20th century, including the Civil Rights Act of 1964, the Voting Rights Act of 1965. So yeah, that's the communism, is that we let black people vote in addition to stopping slavery, because- And the birth- yeah, Not what he said. Right, citizenship element is what he would mention in the 14th Amendment, which is clearly delineated, and they say, you know, it's not valid. But the, the attack on with the civil rights stuff, that Charlie and the people who sponsor him uh, and have been sponsoring him straight out of high school, uh, they believe that giving black people full civil rights in this country is an attack on white people because mm -hmm. it dilutes their voting power. Yeah, that is that's what he's saying there. And he's translating the attacks on Donald Trump. How dare you not want your voting power diluted, bigot? Trump, um, the righteous attacks on him for, you know, trying to overturn the Democratic results of an election. That's why they're using That's made up. the 14th Amendment because it fits into the fake elector scheme. Not a real thing. Which would just do away with the will of the people. And Jack Smith's tact here is to say that this is a 14th Amendment violation because you're essentially putting a bunch of votes in the trash in favor of um, of of ones of fake votes, fake electors that would put you into power. I, I think it's pretty straightforward. And um, I, I, I don't understand how you could have an objection to it in good faith. But the the reality is, is that Charlie is trying to do what his predecessor, his idol Rush Limbaugh would do, which would be to, to, to take this story and shoehorn it into how can we hate certain groups of people and say, you know, it's fine for them to have their rights, but look, it's gone way too far. The 14th Amendment, it was just too radical. <laughs> um, and that's, that is reactionary. Well, yeah. When, oh, how dare you be a reactionary to all the things that we're doing to you? You this hear that? It's gone too far. It's re yeah. that's definitionally reactionary, and you want to react to a point where we're pre Fourteenth Amendment. We're talking like eight eighteen fifty. That's the reality that Charlie Kirk wants. Charlie Kirk says you know we should be living in the morality of the moral premise of the Fourteenth Amendment. You know that's okay, but it's putting it into into practice. That's not okay. Then what does that mean? Not full civil rights for anybody except white guys. That's the Republican project, too. Art. Yeah, the Republicans are running on taking civil rights away from black people. Vandalay, the worst. What an amazing commentator. World conservative dum-dums like Kirk can imagine is the power of the state being currently being leveraged against POC, particularly black people, being turned on them. Imagine a world where upper-class white communities were policed as aggressively as low-income ones. Kirk would be a police abolitionist in a heartbeat. I mean, the the, uh, the the truth is that this was a massive missed opportunity in this country. The Civil War was great, and then Lincoln got shot, and uh, Reconstruction failed because we didn't occupy the South. Oh, I think, did we cover this already? I remember when this commie was talking about, basically, he thinks that the South should have been occupied so they could slaughter all of the wrong thinkers. And enforce this stuff for multiple multiple generations yeah yeah he, yeah he's uh, he's a tyrant until we created uh until we bleached out the remnants of a sort of white supremacist 
the plantation society. Right. He wanted to kill all the white people, occupy and slaughter all the white people. Yeah, I remember this. Um, and instead, like those people just got to, after a short period, come back into power and help shape <laughs> the future uh, industrialization of America to the point where like they're a made, they were a major coalition partner with FDR. Um, right. We should have occupied them. We should have been way more authoritarian as a state government. Yeah. Uh, he, he wants you absolutely dead, no matter the time period. Um, the, uh, I mean, and uh, we didn't. Instead, we, uh, we came together in, uh, you know, as one country again. And uh, we're living in the problem with that ever since. Now, uh, hopefully we get to do to him what he wants to do to us. But we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. See what this next one is. This is oh God. Is this Mikey Michael? We are going to be prepared day one, January 20, 2025, to hit the ground running as a, as conservatives to really help the next president. You look at this title: Major right wing groups form plan to imprison LGBTQ people, censor the internet, and more. What a nut! This task in 2024 is I'll too big for any one think tank. This has to be a movement. And what we've done is use our convening power here at Heritage to bring the entire movement together. But what we're doing is systematically preparing to march into office and bring a new army of aligned, trained, and essentially weaponized conservatives ready to do battle against the deep state. The Heritage Foundation and dozens of right-wing dark money organizations have come together to formulate Project 2025, which is a set of personnel and policy recommendations intended to guide the next Republican administration through their first 180 days in office. And if they successfully pressure the president to adopt everything on their wish list, America would look like a completely different country. They would dismantle the administrative state, expand the power of the executive, enact nationwide internet censorship, ban porn, and politically imprison LGBTQ plus people potentially. And should the next Republican president choose to pursue this unconstitutional agenda, he'd have the backing of the Supreme Court most likely. Now, all of this is moot if A, a Republican loses the 2024 election, or B, a Republican wins but chooses to ignore this agenda entirely. But if the Federalist Society has taught us anything, it's that Republicans always listen to well-funded right-wing think tanks because those are the organizations that their donors send money to. So why wouldn't they listen? And Ed Corrigan, who's one of the architects of Project 2025, casually explained why they're very confident that this is not going to be ignored. This has been really uh, a team effort. You got 50 uh, different conservative organizations have contributed to this. Um, that's what makes this a, a, a strong product. No presidential campaign or president uh, is going to be able to ignore it. No presidential campaign or president is going to be able to ignore it. And he's right about that. He said it in a very nonchalant way, but it's still very ominous nonetheless. But let's break it down. What is Project 2025? Well, the first order of business would be for them to expand the power of the presidency in order to lay the groundwork for unconstitutional policies that they really want to implement. As Bryn Tannehill of Day Magazine explains, the mandate for leadership is a 920-page document that details 
details how the next Republican administration will implement radical and sweeping changes to the entirety of governments. This blueprint assumes that the next president will be able to rule by fiat under the unitary executive theory, which posits that the president has the power to control the entire federal executive branch. It is also based on the premise that the next president will implement Schedule F, which allows the president to fire any federal employee who has policymaking authority and replace them with the presidential appointee who is not voted on in the Senate. The president would directly manage and influence Department of Justice and FBI cases, which would allow him to pursue criminal cases against political enemies. Environmental law would be gutted and states would be prevented from enforcing their own environmental laws. So there's a lot to oh, this. And how dare the states make up their own laws? It's pretty complicated. So let me try to parse this out for you. What this basically means is that federal agencies, which currently operate independently, would lose that independence. <clears throat> they're not remotely independent. Dependence. Many federal agencies that they don't like would just be abolished or... If they're biased towards Democrat, they claim that they're independent. ...weaponized to their own liking. For example, they plan on gutting the EPA, predictably, Good. and shifting them away from their focus on climate change Excellent. entirely. Yeah, while direct that's retarded. Climate change is made up, so obviously focusing on that is very stupid. ...other agencies to expand fossil fuel infrastructure, like the Department of Energy, for Good, example. that would be great. We need more fossil fuels. And you're probably thinking, well... Couldn't the president already effectively do that by just appointing the stooge or industry plan? I mean, we've seen this again and again. So why not just make somebody who is a fossil fuel CEO, for example, the head of the EPA? Well, the president could do that, but this is different because it goes further than that. Because once they re-implement Schedule F via executive order, they also plan to clean house, which is very different than last time. Because as Salon explains, by replacing federal employees with like-minded officials, Trump-era conservatives are planning to remove federal employees whom they perceive as obstacles to the president's agenda early on. This would avoid the pitfalls of Trump's first years in office and eliminate the possibility of any resistance a Republican president would encounter, the AP reported. And what this would do is create a sort of organizational harmony so you wouldn't see the pushback that we saw in Trump's first years in office, for example, because remember, he wanted to do a lot of really terrible things, but he couldn't. There are limits to the president's power, but this is kind of the answer to that. It's a way to address these obstacles that he had encountered and remove them. And think about it this way. So remember when Bill Barr was attorney general and he contradicted Trump's lies about the election and he said he covered up. He helped cover up the fraud that he's not going to open up a probe into the FBI's investigation of Trump's 2016 campaign. Like he openly defied Trump, essentially. Well, Barr was able to do that because as the attorney general, as the head of the Department of Justice, you have independence, you have autonomy, right? Trump can't influence what you do. He could simply fire you and replace you with somebody else who's more loyal. But even that power is limited because Trump tried to do this. Remember when Justice Department officials threatened to resign en masse when Trump considered replacing Jeffrey Rosen with Jeffrey Clark when he was trying to steal the election? I mean, that was really important. That stopped Trump from proceeding forward with his attempt to steal the 2020 election. But I mean, think about what would happen in that scenario if the president assumed a direct control of the Department of Justice and worse, replaced every legacy employee with Trump loyalists who would be less likely to defy him. I mean, you start to kind of see how this would become a threat to democracy directly and why this would be much worse than last time because oh we're losing our power that's a threat to democracy those existing checks that limit the president's power 
would simply not exist anymore under this philosophy, which they want to embrace. It would give him virtually unlimited power over the entire executive branch and every agency, and that is a problem. And Trump had authoritarian ambitions before, right? But the problem is that he didn't have the power or the know-how to actually pull off his dictatorial ambitions, but this time would be different because many of the 300 plus conservatives involved in Project 2025 came from Trump's administration and they would likely return for round two if he were reelected. And what's scary is that Trump has already embraced this vision for the executive. So if he's reelected, this will likely become a reality. So what they're doing is they're looking back at the obstacles that he faced the first time he was in the White House and they're trying to eliminate all of those obstacles going forward so that way he can do all of the terrible things that he wants to do but once they consolidate presidential power they then move on to the second order of business the implementation of policy and a lot of that includes deregulation giveaways to their donors that fund you know this network uh the traditional conservative things that you would expect but there's also a component regarding conservative social policy and it's a sort of wish list that would basically transform the united states into a christian theocracy and they're pretty explicit about this so dame explains the social conservative wish list calls for ending abortion diversity and inclusion efforts protections for lgbtq people and most importantly banning any and all lgbtq content in fact the mandate for leadership makes eradicating lgbtq people from public life its top priority its number one promise is to restore the family as the centerpiece of american life and protect our children so I don't it's you're pretending that that means eradicate LGBT people. That's hilarious. They are explicit in how they plan to do so. As you'll see in the paragraph below, they plan to proceed by declaring any and all LGBTQ content to be pornographic in nature. Good. That's good. Fuck that shit. Uh, fantastic. This is what you get. If this happened, this is what you did. You did this. Oh, man. Wouldn't that be a hell of a thing? And this is a direct quote from Project 2025's document. Quote, pornography manifested today in the omnipresent propagation of transgender ideology and sexualization of children, for instance, is not a political Gordian knot inextricably binding up disparate claims about free speech, property rights, sexual liberation, and child welfare. It has no claim to First Amendment protections. Its purveyors are child predators and misogynistic exploiters of women. Oh, this is really fucking based? Holy shit. Holy shit. Their product is as addictive as any illicit drug and as psychologically destructive. Their purveyors are child predators. That is correct. Destructive as any crime. Pornography should be outlawed. The people who produce and distribute it should be imprisoned. Oh, Educators and public librarians who purvey it should be classed as registered <laughs> sex offenders. This is phenomenal. And telecommunications and technology firms that facilitate its spread should be shuttered. Oh, that is you guys, you better hope. You better hope this does not happen. Absolutely chilling. Ooh, only, I mean, mostly pedophiles would be the ones to, to be most concerned about this. Question is, what would this look like in practice? And to be honest, nobody knows for sure. But at best, it looks like a nationwide implementation of don't say gay in all schools and mm. a likely ban on gender affirming care in all 50 states. But at yes. worst, this also could look like the literal imprisonment of anyone who is openly LGBTQ. 
uh, are you suggesting all gay people are pedophiles? Because that seems to be what you're suggesting. Dame speculates it's also arguable that LGBTQ parents would be subject to arrest, imprisonment, and being put on sex offender registries. Where did they say that? They were talking about people who were passing out the propaganda. Exposing children to pornography. So if you're not exposing children to pornography and you're not passing out the propaganda, there doesn't seem to be an issue simply by being LGBTQ and having children. That's made up. It could be argued as well that people who are visibly trans in public are pornographic or obscene. Yeah, they're not talking uh, about gay people. They're talking about the predators that dress up as women and either expose themselves to children or try to read books uh, that are sexually explicit to children. Because they might be seen by a minor. This understanding of intent is in line with the call to eradicate transgenderism from public life. So this yeah, is- he's, they're talking about drag queens, not gay people. You're making that up. This is genuinely terrifying because we are looking at- To uh, child predators, yes, I would think. A situation where every single queer person- That's not what it said. You're making that up. And arguably queer allies- No, you're making that up. Would no longer be safe in this country. They could all be subject to- Pedophile allies, if you are a pedophile ally, yes. Imprisonment or being on a sex offender list just because- they're gay or trans. Not what it said. I mean, many people would be forced to leave, especially if they're in red states with peace out. The governor's not willing to protect them. This would create an LGBTQ refugee crisis of uh, mass. Get the fuck out. Portions. That would be phenomenal because the ones that would leave are the ones that want to prey on children. And those are not people you want around you. So there you go. Fantastic. And that's what they want. But it gets worse because they want to crack down on the internet. Now, first, let's talk about the way that that would affect LGBTQ plus people and their allies. So with pornography being outlawed and all queer related content being designated as porn, well, anyone who disseminates said pornographic material like myself, apparently, and the website that allows for said dissemination, like YouTube apparently, as well as the internet service provider that gives users access to this website that disseminates pornographic material would all be subject to punishment or imprisonment at Yeah, well, you should stop breaking the law then. In other words, if YouTube doesn't cleanse their website of pornographic LGBTQ plus content, then internet service providers would be forced to cut them off. Boy, what a, that's a hell of a thing. Who wrote that? Was that Stephen Miller? Man, that's a masterpiece. I mean, look, I have no illusion. It's going to be very difficult to implement that, but man, they better hope that they keep him out. Which would effectively kill off all of these websites unless they comply. And LGBT comply. content isn't the only thing that they would designate as porn. Let's be clear about that. Think of all of the movies and video games that would be censored if this all came to fruition. Like what? Like what? I mean, we're looking at a censorship regime here that's no, you're not. far worse than China's and more no. similar to Saudi Arabia's and the Taliban's. That's <laughs> where we're at. That's what they're openly saying that they want. They're saying pedophile propaganda would be banned. That's not an issue. But if it is already banned, it is already illegal, but no one is really following through and arresting anyone. They tried to do this. There'd obviously be extreme pushback from blue states.
But of course, they've thought about that too. And all the predators can go to the blue states. And they have a plan. Dame continues, the organizations that drafted the mandate for leadership understand that blue states, which have sanctuary laws for transgender people, are unlikely to comply. It's difficult to imagine California arresting and prosecuting teachers, librarians, doctors, therapists, bookstores, virtual or physical, LGBTQ parents, and especially LGBTQ people merely for existing in public. This is why they include the following paragraph, quote, where warranted and proper under federal law, initiate legal action against local officials and including district attorneys who deny American citizens the equal protection of the laws by refusing to prosecute criminal offenses in their jurisdictions. What the hell does this have to do with any of the things that the article said? They're talking about prosecutors that let criminals go free, and they're talking about prosecuting them. This holds true particularly for jurisdictions that refuse to enforce the law against criminals based on the left's favorite defining characteristics of the would-be offender, race, so-called gender identity, sexual orientation, etc., or other political considerations. Yeah, this is enforce the law equally to people who break it. E.g. immigration status. This is calling for the executive branch to use the Department of Justice to threaten prosecution of any local or state officials if they do not charge LGBTQ people and their allies with crimes under the pretense that they are breaking federal and state laws against exposing minors to pornography it's not what it says however if you expose minors to uh, if you expose minors to pornography that is a crime and you should be prosecuted for that and it is incredible that this guy and a bunch of leftists are defending uh lgbt people and or any any person's uh, uh, uh ability to subject children to pornography this guy is literally defending subjecting children to pornography as if it's a good thing and that if it's somehow it's somehow authoritarian to want to put criminals in prison that subject children to pornography insane totally insane if people at the Department of Justice refuse to go along with this, then they can simply be replaced under Schedule F. And yes. we're really not even scratching the surface, because remember, this oh, document God, is 900 plus pages long, and we're just looking at the LGBTQ policies. But think about the ways that they'd hamstring states' ability to provide women with abortions. Think about how this will impact people on welfare, people getting Social Security, Medicare employment i mean the possibilities are endless well, don't prey on children you really won't have a problem that's the bottom line here and every possibility ranges from a threat to democracy from an outright violation of democracy it, it is not with it when has it ever been argued that exposing children to pornography is within the confines of democracy what the fuck is wrong with you and the only check on the president in this scenario would be Congress and our far-right Supreme Court. Don't really like those odds, right? Even if Congress tried to rein in the president's power and pass some sort of a law to stop this from happening. Yeah, well, how dare you uh, prosecute pedophiles? The Supreme Court could go along with it. They could embrace unitary executive theory and strike down that law on grounds that it's unconstitutional. and. The president could continue to do this. It's a literal nightmare scenario. Like, imagine, do you think that Clarence Thomas or Samuel Alito would not go along with this? Of course, they, they're not pedophiles. They're against kid fucking and kids being exposed to pornography. So obviously they would not rule the way you want them to because you're very pro exposing kids to pornography. Of course they would. But having said that, though, before we get a little bit too down, this is only a wish list. Odds are they're not going to get 100% of the things that they ask for. But 
what if they get 50 percent i'll take that that would be phenomenal or 25 percent i mean certainly if they tried this there would be a massive legal battle with you know judges striking it down initially well, of course because democrats are very pro-pedophile so they will fight tooth and nail to protect the pedophiles and making its way to the supreme court so there would be time for us to prepare how we're going to respond to this but regardless even if they got 10 percent of it and trump just did what he says he's going to do which is expand the power of the executive that is still very troubling consolidating executive power is not a new phenomenon because each president has continued to expand power everyone democrats and republicans alike obama bush trump but we're talking about a massive expansion of presidential power that gives the president virtually unlimited authority over the entire executive. But even if, in the best case scenario, they get nothing, none of this comes to fruition, and Trump doesn't even do what they say he should do with regard to taking control of the executive. Well, I still think this is worth our attention because this is the vision of 50 right-wing think tanks, think tanks that have a lot of sway over Republican politicians that's that's huge they are telling us that this is what they want for our country an end to u.s democracy a dictatorship with the republican on top that's a lie and i think that they wrote project 2025 with trump in mind but they'll take anyone they'll take desantis they'll take nikki haley they will take anyone who is willing to do what they want to do and if maybe they say we're gonna endorse a candidate Give them lots of donations if they pledge to support Project 2025 in their first 180 days in office. Well, then this could give a little bit more teeth to this authoritarian manifesto, right? But the fact that this is what they want as soon as a Republican comes back into the White House means that we have to fight that much harder to keep a Republican out of the White House for as long as we can to at least buy us some time, right? So Yeah, you wanna fuck as many kids as possible. You know a little bit about Project 2025. Do with this information what you will. That sounds very fucking based. Project 2025. Well, we'll see what happens. Uh, let's see, is this bald fuckface? I think so, yeah. Donald Trump reiterated this week in an interview with conservative talker Hugh Hewitt that he would love to take the stand at his trial, specifically the trial about him trying to overturn the results of the 2020 election, where he's going to be in front of judge Tanya Chutkin. Donald Trump says, I would definitely, he actually said, quote, I look forward to testifying at trial. Now at the end of July, July 26, to be exact, Donald Trump wrote on truth social quote, We'll have fun on the stand with all these people that say the presidential election wasn't rigged and Stalin, because he misspelled stolen, the trial of the century. Now, is Donald Trump going to take the stand at his trial? If his lawyers have their way? No, no, he is not. So what we're hearing and what we're seeing from Donald Trump right now is probably, probably a bunch of bravado, right? I'm the big tough guy. Call me to the stand. We're going to have fun, right? Ha <laughs> ha. It, it would, it would not be fun. That would be the most devastating thing you could do for your trial. And we all know why Donald Trump cannot be coached. He cannot be directed. He cannot be ordered around by his lawyers. So if 
he convinces them to let him take the stand, he's not going to do anything that they tell him to do because the prosecutor is going to saunter up there, start asking questions. Trump's going to get pissed and he's going to start saying stupid things that are going to make his case that much worse. Like his lawyer is going to be jumping up, screaming objection faster than anything you've ever seen in your life. But that's what Trump does. He gets mad. He gets angry. He gets flustered. He gets stupid. So I'm sure the prosecutors are probably looking at this like, oh, hell yeah, dude. Like we're totally ready. We'll call you first if you want, because they know what a gift that will be for them. Not only that, but there's also the other part of the jury that people often forget about. It's not just what a witness says on the stand. It's how they say it. It's the inflection in their voice. It's their facial expressions. It's their, you know, body language. Are they nervous? Are they? I mean, it's irrelevant though, because the jury's going to find him guilty no matter what. So whether he testifies or not is pretty much pointless. No kind of doing anything weird. All of that, whether the jurors really know it or not, just like when you're talking to a person, you pick up on these little things and you can kind of get a sense like, huh, this person seems like they're lying. This person seems genuine. And that the, the subconscious things of him being on the stand are also going to hurt him. But again, his lawyers are going to tell him like, absolutely not. You're not going to do this. Whether or not he listens to them, we'll see. I think he will. But then you also have the other side of it because it's not just him going on the stand to defend himself. It's Donald Trump understanding that when I'm on the stand, all the eyes are on me. It's going to make headlines the next day. He'll be on every single cable news and local news outlet in the world. They'll talk. Yeah, just use it as like a marketing tool. Use it as like a campaign speech. Talk about his testimony. They'll talk about him, 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 his name all over the place. And that draw that knowledge that the whole world will be looking at him, which is his favorite thing in the world. That may be enough for him to disregard good advice from his lawyers and put his idiot self on that stand for prosecutors to absolutely dismantle. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they said, oh, you're not allowed to, he's not allowed to testify. That's against democracy. Um, let's see. What did Marjorie Taylor Greene? This is something about Marjorie Taylor. This week, Marjorie Taylor Greene, along with fellow conservative uh, Republican representative, Matt Gates reiterated that she is absolutely going to force a vote on opening an impeachment inquiry in the house of representatives into president Biden and Republican strategist after Republican strategists are now out there warning their party. This is very stupid. In fact, several different Republican strategists speaking to several different media outlets all use the word stupid mm. when describing this potential impeachment inquiry. Yeah. That's just, uh, they have your best interests at heart. Oh, uh, definitely obey them. Not rhinos. It started with longtime GOP strategist, Susan Del Percio, who, uh, said, quote, it's stupid. It's completely made up. They don't have anything. Oh yeah. The guys, it's totally made up. This is not about impeachment for cause. This is a political stunt yeah. and I have a feeling it's no evidence at all. It's going to go very badly for Republicans. Again, this is a Republican strategist. Oh yeah, that matters. Saying this, this is, this is not some liberal out there. This oh, wasn't yeah. me very saying, trustworthy person saying it. 
These are people who love the Republican Party, who like the Republican mm -hmm. Party and support the Republican yeah. Party. And Susan Del Percio is out there saying, this is stupid. Nevertheless, Marjorie Taylor Greene says, quote, I'm demanding it. I am so serious about this because I know the evidence is there and I'm so disgusted and embarrassed for our country that we have such a corrupt president that we have allowed to remain in power and that have colluded and conspired to cover up his crimes. Here's the thing. On January 21st, 2021, which was President Biden's first full day in office, do you know what Marjorie Taylor Greene did? Who cares? She introduced her first set of articles of impeachment. Good. Against him. Fuck you. Who cares? So the opinion of somebody who's literally been trying to impeach President Biden. You guys did the same shit with way less. It's what you would deserve. Before he was even president for a full 24 hours doesn't mean much to me. Nor should it mean anything to the rest of the Republican Party because these are the rantings of a lunatic. But again, as I said, this was not the only Republican strategist who said the idea was stupid. You also had veteran Republican strategist Mike Murphy, who did go on MSNBC and he said, quote, politically, it's an incredibly stupid idea. But we suffer in my beloved GOP from kind of the banana republic wing. Many of them are right. That's the banana republic uh, doing an impeachment inquiry. But locking up your political opponents, that's fine. That's no problem. Elected, particularly in the House, and they are a minority of them that have been direct mail fundraising, operations to feed, and, and kind of this echo chamber and stuff. Can hardly wait to do something like that because it's in their own narrow interests. It's not in the Republican Party's interests if they want to not get wiped out next year and propose uh, in November. So I love what he's talking about here, too. Because this was something that I hit on in a video earlier this week. It's the fact that all of these Republicans that are pushing for it, specifically, you know, Laura, uh, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene and Matt Gates, those people are in safe Republican districts. They're in districts that do hate Biden. So they have nothing to lose, right? Their party is not going to punish them for doing this. Their, their constituents will actually reward it. But when you take these other Republicans out there in a swing district, maybe those who even flipped a seat from blue to red in this last cycle, they're terrified of this because they know it's going to come back to bite them next November. And that's why they're getting pissed off at people like Green and Gates because these idiots are pushing it and I'm the one that's going to pay the price even though I'm against it. But, oh well, they've dug themselves into this hole. And rather than accepting the lifeline that most Republicans in the House are throwing them saying, don't do this, they're rejecting the lifeline and by God, they're going to keep digging themselves even deeper. Yeah, they, they know what's best for you. Democrats take the Democrats advice. Don't impeach. Um, let's see. This is uh, Donald Hugh Trump Hewitt. flipped oh, out on, on right wing host okay, Hugh Hewitt fine. and told him I'm not. Okay, we're back here. I'm going to tell you what I did. And also, I can do whatever I want with those classified documents. Well, yes, the president can declassify. So that's what that would mean. This is, again, part of the bigger story of if Trump tries these arguments in court, it is... It's literally how it works. The president of the United States can declassify documents. Arguing that he could declassify documents is literally how it works is not going to go well and they're not going to let him argue that in court that's incredible let's take a look at this here is trump yesterday on the hugh hewitt show and it is an absolute and total disaster take a look at this 
Did you direct anyone to move the boxes, Mr. President? Did you tell anyone to move the boxes? I don't talk about anything. You know why? Because I'm allowed to do whatever I want. I come under the Presidential Records Act. I'm not telling you. You know, every time I talk to you, oh, I have a breaking story. You don't have any story. I come under the Presidential Records Act. I'm allowed to do everything I did. If you have to go to trial, will you testify in your own defense? Oh, yes, absolutely. You'll take the stand. That I I look forward to, because that's just like Russia, Russia, Russia. That's all the fake information from Russia, Russia, Russia. Remember when the dossier came out and everyone said, oh, that's so terrible, that's so terrible. And then it turned out to be it was a political report put out by Hillary Clinton and the DNC. They paid millions for it. They gave it to Christopher Steele. They paid millions and millions of dollars for it. And it was all fake. No, I think that obstruction charge is going to get to trial, Mr. President. I I think that... Okay, if you do, and they ask you on on the stand, did you order anyone to move boxes? How will you answer? I'm not answering that question for you, but I'm totally covered under the law. Okay. If you read the Presidential Records Act, just read it. You take a look at it. I'm totally covered under the law. It's a civil act. It's civil. Now... Biden had no civil act. The things he did are criminal. 100% true. Uh, he was vice president when he mishandled uh, handled classified documents. He was also a senator. They cannot declassify. But, but he doesn't have a deranged person on his case. That's know? true. Mike Pence also should be facing criminal charges. So they gave me deranged Jack Smith. Did you tell someone to move the boxes with the classified documents? Trump says, I don't talk about anything. Sounds to me like the answer is yes. This comes under the Presidential Records Act. Incorrect. This is a criminal matter. Trump was no longer president at the time that he did many of the... Yes, the declassification happened when he was president. This is a new thing. So if it didn't happen when he was president, that means that during Biden's administration, he would have had to go into the White House and take the documents. You're insane. These people are out of their fucking minds things for which he's been criminally charged. That is another example of if you try that in court, it's right. not if going to try to argue uh, uh, the exact thing that is correct. Well, we're not going to let you do that. And then we're going to sanction you to go. Well, we're already seeing that in New York with some of the arguments being made in the Trump business fraud case where Letitia James is saying they're making non-legal the level of fuckery that we're going to see with these prosecutors and judges is going to be unbelievable it's going to be unbelievable arguments we need to true kangaroo courts trump and eric trump and don jr trump says he will take the stand (laughs) this one is this one is special you might as well uh fuck it what's the difference who cares trump's lawyers will do everything they can to prevent Donald Trump from taking the stand in his own defense. And I know that we all know Trump doesn't always listen to his lawyers and he has a mind of his own and he's going to do whatever the hell he wants. My prediction, if I were a betting man, is the only way Trump gets on that witness stand in any of these cases is if he is forced to do it by the court. I can't think of any other way that Trump gets up there. I don't deny that he might want to do it. I don't deny that he probably has every intention of the world, uh, in the world of doing it. I don't see it happening unless he is absolutely forced to. Then we get to Trump's claims about the Steele dossier. You know, we haven't talked about the Steele dossier for a while. And even some of my left-wing friends in the audience 
have emailed me and they're starting to believe some things that aren't really quite based in fact about the steel dossier. So let's He's going to pretend that somehow it's real. Talk about that a little bit. The steel dossier itself was so Trump Trump says it was a Hillary Clinton funded dossier that cost the DNC and Hillary millions of dollars. That's all basically untrue. Uh, no it isn't. The steel dossier was funded by lawyers representing the Clinton campaign and the DNC. Oh, so suddenly that has nothing to do with Hillary Clinton. It was her lawyers acting independently. See, at one point, that part is true. Initially, the research was done by a group called Fusion GPS. They were actually doing opposition research into Trump funded by a conservative that's the again that's before christopher Steele's involvement you're making shit up i remember this narrative previously website then it became clear trump was going to be the nominee the conservative website says well this is the guy we've got to get behind maybe we don't need to keep doing the opposition research then it went over to those lawyers for the clinton campaign and dnc then the claim is well they were paid millions and it was all completely fake the exact amount that was paid for the Steele dossier is not really known. First of all, money was paid for a whole bunch of different research. A fraction of it was for the Steele dossier. It's been reported that the law firm in question paid Fusion GPS $1 million. Oh, in guys, it's only a million. Fees and expenses. Remember, a bunch Christopher Steele, he didn't get anything. Totally fine. Much of that is the legal fees. He sacrificed. ...themselves. And a bunch of that is for other research. So notice that David is dancing around the content of the Steele dossier. The number would be some fraction of one million dollars, mm. and the million mm -hmm. covered a whole bunch of different. Sure. Stuff. You then look at Orbis Business Intelligence. Orbis Business Intelligence was Christopher Steele's firm. They were reportedly paid one hundred and sixty-eight thousand dollars for their work, and again. The $168,000 that they were paid, we don't know if that was solely for the dossier. We also don't know if that included expenses. And so the idea that there were millions of dollars nah, changing hands and millions not. of dollars in profit for generating the steel dossier is all absolutely false based on what we know right now. Yeah. Then we get to the steel dossier was all fake. There are basically three categories of information from the steel dossier. Stuff that was confirmed true, stuff that was debunked and stuff that's not been verified one way or the other which so, they of course count as legitimate there was a whole bunch of corroborated material like what like what faggot from the steel dossier meetings that were described in the dossier Bullshit. that have later been acknowledged even sometimes under oath in criminal trials. the broad outlines and themes of how russia generally wanted to impact the election their preference for trump total bullshit all of that stuff. A lot of that has been now confirmed by multiple sources. It's That's a blatant lie. So uncontroversial. Uh, no, you're blatantly lying, and you know you're blatantly lying, so you're pretending, oh, guys, it's not even controversial. That who would even deny that? Right, who would even deny that? Amazing. And even the U.S. intelligence community has been Oh, well, they're very credible. They don't make up bullshit. And a bunch of that stuff. You then have unverified claims. So a lot of the more salacious stuff, the PP tape, and etc. 
uh, remains unverified. Yeah, it's unverified, so we're going to just count it and pretend it's true. Hard to debunk some of this stuff because how can you prove something didn't ever happen? It's very difficult to do, but there's no doubt that a lot of the uh, more salacious claims remain unverified. And then you have some disproven claims. I mean, one example is uh, Trump's former lawyer, Michael Cohen. I'm now forgetting the, the country. The Steele dossier said that Cohen had gone either to I don't remember if it was Zurich or Vienna or someplace. Michael Cohen said to me multiple times on the show, I never went there, period. That is just wrong. That was in the Steele dossier. I don't know where they got it. It simply is untrue. The big thing here is Trump insisting that if he told people to move the boxes of classified documents that he's covered by the Presidential Records Act. So it doesn't matter how much their shit uh, is bullshit. It doesn't matter how many lies they're caught in. They just double and triple down and pretend. He's still pretending the Steele dossier is legitimate after all these years. He is not. That's a. They still pretend Russia interfered in the 2016 election. Kryptonite legal defense. It's a poison pill. Call it whatever you want. I dare Trump to try that defense in court. My yeah, I dare you to say, hey, I was allowed to have them. They're saying you're not allowed to have them. And he's saying, well, I'm allowed to have them. How dare you say that? prediction. Trump doesn't try that defense in court. Trump does not testify unless he is forced to do it. Nothing. Absolutely incredible. David Pakman, once again, after all these years, pretending that the Steele dossier was legitimate. That is fucking incredible. All right, let's check uh, some of these. Oh, one second. Let me refresh here. Hopefully they come up. Uh, yes, YGGS Gallus says, HB, you sound like you've had all the Adderall tonight. I wish I had Adderall. I could probably go for four more hours. Um, I think there's a, isn't there a shortage? I've heard there's a shortage. That's got to be rough. That's a, that's a hell of a thing. YGGS Gallus says, both UFC fighters cucked. Really? Oh, that was short-lived. The Angolan fighter... Uh, KP gave a really half-assed apology with a gun to his head, but he did it nonetheless. Oh, the other guy apologized too? That sucks. Yeah, you can't apologize. Never apologize. It's just, it's totally, uh, it just, uh, it's no good. It's no good. 2Supernova1 says, hey, resident of a blue state here. Funny how David doesn't mention the metric of taxes or population entering slash leaving the state. Metrics is just to obfuscate the truth. It costs more to live in a blue state and businesses are more regulated. As a result, there's a bias towards the wealthy skewing the stats. I believe David also argued that people were not fleeing California. People, uh, yeah, David, uh, he said people were not leaving California, uh, which is absolutely hilarious. Ratio Nelson says illegal immigrant in New York City gets picked up for soliciting sex from a minor, stabs a cop in the back with a concealed kitchen knife because the diversity hires didn't check his pockets, gets lit up. What a wonderful city, man. And this is, I mean, there's going to be a lot of raping. Uh, there seems to be rapists among these groups of people. They don't vet them. And, you know, the, the, the leftists, they're like, you're saying they're all rapists. No, I'm not saying they're all rapists. Some of them are rapists. That's what Trump said when he was talking about illegals. He didn't say all Mexicans are rapists. He didn't say Mexicans were rapists. He was talking about illegal immigrants coming through the southern border. And he said some of them are rapists. Some of them are murderers. That is literally a factual, obvious statement. Some of them are. And they're not vetting these people. 
and that's just going to make it worse. So yeah, it's going to be that's going to be a hell of a thing. Big Chris says they literally act like Trump wasn't the president. Abject retards. Yeah, he he can't argue that he was allowed to have the documents, pretending that he took the documents after he was president. Just insane, insane. And like I said. This, these judges, they're not going to let them present evidence. They're going to do what they did to Alex Jones. They're not going to let them present evidence. They're just going to declare whatever Trump wants to say as misinformation. They're not going to let them uh, let them say it. If it's a jury, they're going to convict them. If it's a judge, they're just going to find him guilty by default. Um, but I don't think any of it matters because a conviction, I think, will just make him more popular. Um, and I think that uh, if he wins this election and they can't remove him from the ballot, this is going to make the 2016 middle finger look like just minor compared to this is this would be the craziest, most insane middle finger in the history of politics, probably the universe. And uh, because they're going to pick a convicted in their minds, a convicted criminal, a convicted felon, a multiple-time convicted felon over them. And that's fantastic. Because that's how much most people hate them. And it's going to be glorious. So hopefully it happens. All right, very good. Uh, that is the end of the stream. Next stream is Tuesday, 6.30 p.m. Eastern. Again, the book, What a Bigot Would Say, comes out Thursday, September 14th during the stream. Thank you for all the people that sent Super Chats and Streamlabs. You can get an archive on Rumble, rumble.com slash user slash hard news network. We're on Podbean, hardnewsnetwork.podbean.com. Um, or you can go to uh, Twitter, which is at LiveHNN, wherever you're watching on the stream or on the archive. I appreciate it, and I'll see you guys Tuesday. I am the hard bastard. Thank you for watching.